Uh, we are in three, two, one. There you go. <laughs> I see you're representing the orange because the Bears are wearing that uh, orange helmet Thursday night. That's correct. I am indeed wearing orange, and uh, and also it could be the last Bears <laughs> paraphernalia I wear or touch. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> Going under the knife tomorrow, guys. <laughs> now, that really is scary. And like I said before we went on air, you never can have a good surgery. That's you right. know, it's like, ah, it's minor. Well, it's it's still like it's surgery, man. It's yeah. something like I'm not trying to stress you out. No, I'm just trying I, to convey why I hear that. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, he's got to go have a, another surgery. No, I totally get it. It's, you know, you, anytime you go under anesthesia, right, there's, there's a level of risk involved. You know, I got to remember to take my blood pressure medicine <laughs> because one time I didn't and I had, what the hell was it? I had a colonoscopy. Oh, no. And when I, when I came to, uh, they were like, you really had us worried there. And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? We were deep um, into your ass and we found. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden your blood pressure got out of control. You were enjoying it too much. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's on the back of your hat though? I'm just curious. Oh, this one is. Um... Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. My girlfriend brought me uh, one of those. I wish I could show you. I don't, of course, I don't have a camera at work, but it's it's a what, trucker hat, but it says Bears, Chicago, Illinois, Monsters of the Midway, established 1920. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good hat. Yeah, you got another great, great present too uh, from from her. Uh, that was my sister. But yeah, oh, that my, was your sister. Yeah, my okay, sister I'm brought sorry. me that on my birthday. This, like, this book of all these articles that the Bears had been, you know, that the Washington Post had written on the Bears. Going back to like Papa Bear all the way through, I guess, Nagy. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great gift. Uh, I appreciate it immensely. But, and as much as I'm worried about uh, the Bears this year, and I like these gifts and hats and stuff, like I said, tomorrow, it makes all this feel unimportant. So, I hope you're going to be okay, man. I will be fine. I have a high level of confidence that this is going to be a normal procedure. It's an angioplasty, so they're going to go into my artery with a like a balloon-like device and expand it, leave it expanded for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so, and then release it. And uh, surgery should take an hour and a half, two hours. I'll rest at the hospital for three hours, should be home in time for what's so, Wednesday night, uh, just to relax, I guess. So the goal is to find it by blowing that up is to find what's blocking something, whatever the, the blood flow and then eradicate it. Is that correct? Yeah. I think that the process of blowing air uh, into it, like this, that's a balloon kind of thing. I think that's what will kind of flush out whatever is in there. I, I think that's how this works. But um, the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I'm going to get nervous. Well, let's not, let's, we'll talk bears then. And hopefully when they're wearing that, orange helmet I, they should wear the orange jersey with the blue helmet but whatever when they're wearing that orange this too much orange on thursday and hopefully we're watching a win and you're like kick back and saying like seeing dan the surgery was no big deal yeah exactly and we can get a win you haven't have you had a colonoscopy yet no i need to i know I, yeah. i'm making excuses i need to yeah, you got to get that checked out, and uh, then you will have the full effect of going under and having something somebody fucking you in the ass. Oh God! I, I <laughs> mean, Bill Cosby effect. <laughs> everybody that that tells me about it says the worst part is drinking some shit that you have to drink like an hour or a day before. Yep, the day before. That's the worst out. part. 
Oh my God. I don't want to do that, but I'm 43 now. So I guess I have to sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. J2K says the last time I was under, I woke up thinking I was in the movie Avatar and told the doctor to send me back. I'll tell you what, <laughs> J2K. I, I went to the movie theater to watch Avatar and I was like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's too long. It was like one big long cartoon. It's like, give me a break. Although I, I love the movies of. Uh, uh, Mr. Cameron, he's he's a great filmmaker. All right, let's get this show on the road because I we got a lot to pack in. I, I want to get try to get out of here at 10 p.m., 11 p.m. Eastern, so I can get some rest. I got to be up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I, I think we have some pretty promising news uh, regarding the Chicago Bears, but first we've got to play our open to get us all into into the mood. <laughs> the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Oh, not hearing that music last week really broke my heart. But Dan Aguirre, did you have a great birthday? Yeah, I told you that DiCaprio movie with Scorsese was fantastic. A lot yeah. of people will say it's the runtime is too long because nobody has an attention span now. It is three and a half hours, but I thought it was a great film. Can't wait to own it. Uh, the Exorcist Believer, if you can take away the Exorcist title off of it, and not compare it to the the freaking film. It's not a bad movie. The reviews are, are strongly against it. But if you just judge it on, on on the basis of this individual movie, it's not bad. And Saw Ten was way better than anything I could have uh, anticipated. They actually made him a full fledged uh, like good guy. Wow. I, I mean, he's not. He's an antihero, I guess, but he's definitely not the villain in the film, which was a good twist, I guess you could say. 
at that, and so that was the tenth one, right? So you got a bunch of script writers and producers sitting around. What the fuck are we gonna do with ten? Hey, why don't we make him a good guy? Well, it's cool because it's a prequel in some ways too, because he died earlier in the film series. So a couple of people that had died are back in the film because it's supposed to be between the events of Saw Two and Saw Three. Oh, okay. So they brought him back and, and like I said, made him the good guy in some ways. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it was a good birthday to watch those three films. I've already got Saw and Exorcist uh, on DVD because uh, they were on direct TV pay-per-view. I just saw that last night or the night before, so I've already recorded them and been dispersing them without copyright infringement because I didn't charge anybody anything, but I've been giving them out to anybody that wanted to see them. Excellent. Dad, did your girlfriend enjoy watching three movies with you? She did. She did. I, I didn't really know what she was thinking at the moment in time, but it felt like it was pretty good. You know, I, you sometimes you can just feel like negative energy if somebody's not liking the movie. But I, I don't know if she liked uh, the Scorsese movie as much as I did, but I think she enjoyed all three. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm glad that uh, your girlfriend enjoys the same things you do. She's learning football, right? I won't go that far. Uh, <laughs> she's been in the room. She was in the room when we lost to the Chargers. She watched the Super Bowl with me a couple of years ago, the one where um, Cincinnati lost to the Rams. Mm -hmm. She watched that one, but again, but I'm trying to get her to go to that Browns game in December, and I think she's going to, which reminds me of one other thing real quick before we get started, started. Since you haven't been to a game in so long, I've said this vaguely, but this is really my am my ambition now, is to go to the Bears opener next year, regardless if it's week one or two or whatever, but the opener at Soldier Field. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I want to get you to go to that, even if I buy your ticket and just say, hey, it's free. So not that you don't have the money for it, but I'm just saying the incentive being like, I really want you there. So even if like you don't pay anything, I want you at the game. So, Well, I'll tell you what, our good friend, he probably texted you too. Uh, he's got two tickets to tomorrow's game, and I was like ready to go because I think I don't know if we're going to have a post-game show tomorrow. But then I remembered, fuck, I'm going to have surgery on Thursday. Yeah. So, I mean, Wednesday, and the game is Thursday, so I, I can't go. I really wanted to uh, check out at least one game this year and to see the Bears beat the Panthers because they are going to beat the Panthers. So uh, I hope my audio is a little better than Hair Bear, uh, who is a musician and sound man. He was telling me my, my audio is a tad low, so I adjusted it. Um, let's talk about the bears dan because you know we haven't talked chicago bears football you and i in right. quite some time now so and since then the bears have signed montez sweat they've gone uh they, they lost this game down in new orleans did we talk prior to the game that they won yeah right we talked tyson bajan's first game so um what was your impression of the game down in new orleans one other thing quickly before I answer your question. We lost Doug Kramer today. Uh, was it Arizona maybe that took him from us? Oh, really? Look at that. Yeah, wow. so we when we're having center problems, I hate that we lost a young guy that maybe wasn't going to be anything, but maybe he could have been. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But my impression of the New Orleans game is it's just another game that we, we just fucking, we shit down our legs and lost and should have won. Mm -hmm. And that's not me just being biased. If... Because if you think, well, well, New Orleans is, you know, that five turnovers to zero, and of course they didn't have any penalties on them, but just one, and a lot of the penalties on us were fucking egregious. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I'm whining; it, they truly were. They were. But so they had everything going their way. They still missed that kick. 
if they were the other way around, if the Bears were the team that, you know, had a zero to five edge on the turnovers and missed that kick, we'd have lost. So I, New Orleans didn't deserve to win. The Bears lost that game. And it's sickening, man, because it seems like it's coaching. Yes. You come out with the first half and the first drive and you score and like he's seven for seven on play action and, and bootlegs and then you don't do any of them in the second half. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to outsmart them because they think that's what we're going to do. So we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coach T did a really nice job on Sunday in the uh, post game show, the after the game show, uh, Bear Football. And he talked about the amount of formations and the different formations that the Bears uh, have employed this season in every game. He had charts and everything. And the games where the Bears won, they started using the two tight end formations more often and running the ball more frequently and reliably and consistently. And it seems like, you know, uh, Getsy gets this Matt Nagy itch and he starts to want to throw the ball. He gets away from what really works best for this team. I think with Nagy and Getsy, what we are, have gotten are two very selfish and stubborn uh, play callers. Yes. And, and Getsy wasn't quite that way. Maybe uh, if I reflect more closely, maybe, maybe I'll change my mind, but he... It doesn't look like he has it. And I kind of like the guy, you know, he, the way he talks and the way he talks about offense, it, he seems like a real personable, nice guy. I saw him down at the senior bowl. He was talking to everybody, but he, I don't think he's a play caller. He's just not getting it done. I agree. Absolutely. He's not getting it done. And if you, this is what I said to Dan last night, the other Dan, Mr. Shorty, and I'm not trying to repeat like my greatest hits or something, but I honestly believe if Getsy had the wherewithal to be like, Justin, your job's on the line here, but so is mine. Mm -hmm. So I want to throw my fucking ego out this window and you tell me what you want to run. Mm -hmm. Whether it's 10 plays and just the same 10 plays, but out of different formations and, but essentially the strong side, weak side, whatever, simplify it. And just, I want to run what you want to run and what you feel comfortable with. Because if I can make you comfortable and you look good, it's going to make me look good. Exactly. And everything I've been doing is not working. So let's mm -hmm. save each other here and let you essentially call the place. But he doesn't have that ability to do that. You can tell. He's not as bad as Matt Nagy, but he's just not good. I mean, just like in, in Sunday's game, it's like, all right, we get a, a reprieve. We get the ball back after the mix the missed extra, or I'm sorry, the missed field goal. And what does he do? He comes out in a shotgun with an empty backfield. It just, mm -hmm. haven't you learned from it? The whole season, doesn't matter which quarterback is in there, that always fails. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're that deep in your own end zone too, run the ball a little bit, throw, throw a slant. It's okay to throw a slant. You know, Thanks. just get some easy completions and just get some momentum going down the field. Don't put him in harm's way like that. Yeah, I agree. I and I I I wonder, you know, it, maybe he really believes in what he's trying to do. Maybe he's a good guy and he's just mistaken. Maybe he thinks, you know, that this horizontal passing game is really the run game and so when when you see those wide receiver screens, it's not a pass, although statistically it is. It's a part of the run game. And so, you know, maybe he has thought about, you know, organizing the play calling to set up other plays and so forth. But for me, anyway, that's 
the most difficult thing for me to judge as a fan is whether the play calling is really good. I can look at now the all 22 and say, well, that shouldn't happen. Three receivers, you know, within arm's length of one another. Uh, you could see certain things that, you know, after watching football for so many years, I can sort of understand what's a good play call or good schematically uh, done play as opposed to one that's not. Jordan says, I don't proclaim to be a schematic whiz, but the worst part about Getsy is his ability to cre create really innovative plays but fail to do anything more than one for every 65 uninspired ones. <laughs> uh, are, are you done with Luke Getsy, Dan? Are you ready to move on to a different play call or a different offensive coordinator? We, because the way Ryan Pose talked about Matt Eberflus, I think Matt Eberflus should, should you know, buy property here in Chicago because he's going to be here a while. We've got eight more games, and so I'm going to be his fanboy for at least eight more games. Mm -hmm. I want him to win as many games as they can, and I'm sorry – if that doesn't sit right with people that want a better draft pick, I I want them to go seven and one, eight and zero oh in these games, which is highly unlikely the way that they play. Mm -hmm. But there there were a couple of good things in that in that game, like to be because look, I still don't understand why two things on the defense. I don't understand why this guy who's supposed to be a defensive specialist, how come wide receivers are always wide open, always with the other team. They're never covered, and we can't get a pass rush. You know, Ngakwe comes here, he's averaging, what, like eight, nine sacks for his career per season? He's got one and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, Sweat comes in, it's only one game. I'm not saying it's a bad trade. Gets what? One pressure. I feel like they could put Lawrence Taylor on this team right now, and he would fail. Like, I don't understand why we can't rush the passer and why wide receivers are always wide open. But having said that, the defense stopped New Orleans when they had, what, four possessions, five or whatever, late in the game, all starting in Bears territory, and they didn't score. Right. Sanborn had a great game in the middle Oof. to the point where I thought, man, maybe they should put, when when uh, Edmonds comes, put him at the Lance Briggs spot on the, mm -hmm. the wheel out there. and um, Because uh, I mean, Sanborn looked great. He really did. He, Jackson he, whiffed again in the fourth quarter really badly early in the fourth quarter where I'm just like, dude, he just needs to be put on the bench. Just yeah. he's he's done. He's gone. He's horrible. But uh, Brisker should be back. I hope. And we're gonna get. I'm sorry. You. Keep, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we're gonna get St. Brown back. Thank God that'll put uh, Valus out inactive. I guess we could spend a half hour talking about Valus, and then uh, Khalil Herbert should be back this week too. So I hope that they don't put Foreman on the bench though. I know I'm bouncing around here, uh, but I'm trying to come up with positives. And Foreman has looked really good in his his tenure. Of, of being able to play during the injury for Herbert. So I hope that there's a one-two punch there. I know everyone's going to say, what about Roshan? I'm sorry, he's been outplayed right now. And I know it's because he had a concussion. But Foreman seems to have the hot hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Foreman definitely has the hot hand. He deserves the bulk of the carries. I don't care who starts the game. I care who wins it for us. And uh, and and he could probably win football games if everything else kind of meshes, particularly penalties and, and turnovers. If, if we keep the penalties low, zero, one, two penalties, and you minimize the turnovers, zero, one turnover, uh, the Bears should win easily against the Carolina Panthers. And I do agree with J2K. You know, there is a possibility that Luke Getze is, is growing and becoming better at the job, you know, and that in 
in, in the future, he will be a, a capable play caller. And maybe it could be, maybe by the end of the season, we could look, be looking at Luke Getz and says, okay, now finally he gets it because there have been games where he gets it. And things have looked very promising for the Chicago Bears offense from an offensive play calling and schematic standpoint. I mean, you don't score all those points against the Washington commanders and not give Luke Getze some credit. Uh, so there's, there have been some good things. The, the problem is, is, you know, can he consistently discipline himself to really do the things that work best for this team? But I, I don't think so. I'm worried about, like, if you think about, like you said, great game plan against Washington, it seemed to accentuate the positives with Justin Fields and mm-hmm. seemed to be exactly the way it, the game should be called with him. And then what happened the next week with the Vikings? He went back to the same shit that wasn't working in the first three weeks because he just has got this dogged determination like Matt Nagy to run his system. I always Mm -hmm. use this analogy, but it's so poignant to me is when Pat Riley went to the Knicks, he's like, all right, I've got Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley. I've got Patrick Ewing. I've got guys that's going to knock your fucking head off. We're not, we're not showtime. Well, you know what? We're not going to try to be showtime, but he could have been like, I'm Pat Riley. I've won five championships or four with Showtime, so that's my system. But he didn't do that. He looked at the team he had and said, let's devise a scheme that fits their talents. Why can't we do that? As a Chicago Bears, I don't understand. It seems like our coaches are always trying to run something against the, the strength of their team. After Ditka and Wanset, because even we didn't win a lot with Wani, but he didn't, you know, Wani ran the ball, whether you liked him or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, King Pookie asked a question. What do you and Dan see in Ryan Poles? Uh, King Pookie, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to hold off on that discussion till next week because we've got a guest who wants to come on, who, who wants to come on our show and condemn Ryan Poles and talk bad about him and talk bad about his family and his religious. No, I'm just kidding. God, who's the <laughs> guest? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot his name. <laughs> This isn't Vinny Shimon again, is it? (laughs) No. But we'll do that next week. So, King Pookie, that's the tease. Uh, Come on the chat room next week, and we'll have an in-depth discussion on Ryan Pulse. Um, You know, getting back to the play calling, one thing, though, that I kind of feel for Luke Getze is there is a lot of times that the players just are not executing basic shit, you know? Running the wrong routes, you know there was there's this play where it's a crossing panel panel uh, pass pattern, and Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore run into each other. It, fortunately, Tyson Bajant ran the ball for like 25 yards, a, a long run, but these guys were running a pass pattern, and it looked like Mooney was supposed to set the pick for DJ Moore, but D, uh, DJ ran his pattern out a little too wide, or or maybe it was Mooney's fault, but either way, they hit into each other, and both players fall to the ground. Fortunately, again, uh, Bajant is running down the middle of the field for a nice big gain, but these are these are player mistakes. Luke Getzey doesn't draw that up. Okay, you guys <laughs> run crossing patterns in the middle of the field and then knock each other out. He's, he's not doing that, and he's not telling the offensive lineman, make sure you jump off sides on this play. This is critical for our success. Make sure you jump off sides two or three times, Braxton Jones. 
it's not happening. It's, it's, you know, I think part of it is, is the players still are not, you know, playing at a high level, although I think they're getting better. And in the media mashup, you're going to hear some compliments about the Chicago bears play, uh, Dan, that I'm really interested to get your reaction to. So uh, leading into that, Dan, you know, you were listing a, a few things that you thought were trending up. You know, you talked about some of the players coming back from injury. You talked about some of the good play. Anything else you want to add to that list? Komet had a great catch. No, it's a dangerous throw. Like it could have been when he first threw it, I thought, oh, it's going to be picked off. But Komet just had a great catch in the end zone early in the game on that first possession. Uh, yeah, so we, we got to give him props. Um, the de- like I said, the defense was able to to stop them from scoring, but I think if we're playing a better quarterback, although Derek Carr looked really good getting the ball out, we didn't touch him. But I think if we're playing a better team, like had we been playing the Chargers again, not that they're a great team, but a, he, he's a better quarterback, or certainly Mahomes, I think we get blown out. Mm-hmm. It's not that tight, but you play who you play. And on Sunday, they were able to suck it up without Brisker, you know, and without... Uh, 49, as we talked about, I think maybe Sanborn might be better in the middle. But it, either way, it, it, they were without their defense, a couple of their important players on defense, and they were able to to uh, to keep us in there. Yeah, you know I mean, mm-hmm. Santos with a bad miss that brought conjured up memories of Cody Parking with the, the upright from mm-hmm. 40 yards. I'm like, oh, my God. But you know what? If you think about this, and there's always like a what if, but you remember that run where Foreman took us down to like the 10-yard line? It was going to be first and goal, and they mm-hmm. called two holding penalties and then like a yep. false start. If we if we get down there clean, the Bears may win the game because they're probably going to score again if it's first and goal from the 10. And then and then you go first and goal from the 10 or 11-yard line, whatever it was, and then suddenly two penalties, one on Patrick, one on Jones, I think, and then there's a false start. And then suddenly you're completely out of scoring range. Mm-hmm. Which is what you were saying, but I think if, pardon me, had they were if they were able to run the ball there from like the ten or eleven yard on yard line after Foreman's run, I think maybe the Bears put it away there. They could score. I think you're absolutely right. You know, this game was really so fucking close, and the fact that they had five turnovers and the game is still that close, I think one somebody in the media mashup says it's a testament to the poor coaching on the Saints' part. And it's true. You know, they had a seven-point lead. They have a chance to go for three, but instead they go for it on fourth down, and they missed the field goal. And instead of having a 10-point lead, it's still a seven-point game, giving Bajan an opportunity to win the game. It's, that's just stupid coaching. <laughs> I agree. Before we go to the mashup, I do want to expand on Valus for just a moment. Please do. For the, the, the penalty on him on the special teams I thought was really bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the face mask, but there's I did see two guys holding him for about 45 yards, mm-hmm. and the referee suddenly missed that. But I think we got a break on that catch that they called incomplete. To me, it looked like he caught that and it was a fumble. Yeah, that was close. I don't know, man. They're going to have to put sensors on the ball or something. to. to I, I just don't know why they're not using technology more to help with this fucking stuff. You know, by the way, uh, this AI stuff, I don't want to get into all the discussion on AI, but John Buffon sent me a videotape of him doing, you know, he does these 55-second rants on his yeah, show. Yeah. He yeah, said he he's talking perfect Spanish. Perfect Spanish. And his voice. And it was all AI created. Wow. And, and so I'm going to videotape you 
saying some stuff. I, I, I got to come up with the idea. I want to actually videotape you saying some stuff, and then I want to translate it into Spanish. Send it to Heidi and see if it's right. <laughs> exactly. So send it to Heidi. And I don't know. And I, I want it to be funny. So I was thinking maybe having you do like dirty talking or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want you so badly. I want to spread. I want Vailus out of the lineup so badly. <laughs> I'm willing to. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I know he's a third round pick, but is there something that does he blackmailing polls? Like, why is he still in the game after yeah. he fell on his fucking face and then dropped the ball? That hit him in the stomach against the Chargers. He should have been cut then. Mm -hmm. And then the, this again on Sunday. He's just awful, man. Uh, he he really is awful, and it 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 really must have to do with they want to see if they can salvage this third round pick, this high investment they had in him, because he is when he has the ball in his hands, he is an electrifying running and a runner, and you can't you can't buy that. But at this at this point. They really need to see if there's a better option on the waiver wire. You know, I think part of the reason he's playing was because of EQ's injury and so forth, but maybe it's just not worth it anymore. Maybe he's to the point now where we just have to say, hey, you know, he probably will be a great player somewhere else, but he's ruining games for us now. So let's yeah. move on. How about put Tyler Scott returning the kicks? Mm -hmm. I think 15 is doing, what's his name, Taylor? I mean, it's not like he's explosive as a punt returner, but he's doing all we need him to do, not fumble and such. Right. And and, and Valus is doing nothing on offense, just nothing. So it's mm -hmm. and he's not even returning the kicks. He lets everything go as a touchback. He's probably got like three kicks he's returned all year. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, Fountain Fountain had a good preseason. Good good comment there. I agree. Yeah, he was picked picked off of the Chiefs practice squad, and I was excited because the Chiefs usually are very good at locating talented wide receivers. And when we got him last year, I was kind of excited to see what he got. Never really got much of a chance last year, but uh, this season and preseason, he looked fantastic. And I was a bit shocked when they released him because he's also a good downfield blocker. And and with EQ being down, Fountain would have been a better replacement than Valus. We need to come up with a clever Vic, uh, nickname for Valus. Bayless uh, Vunderhead or something. I don't know. Something that means you don't have any balls. I, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, every time he touches the ball, he nearly fumbles. Even if he doesn't drop the ball, he, he's, he's juggling it. He can't return punts. He can't return kicks. He can't catch short screens. He's wide open in the end zone, and he can't catch that either. And Des White did good for the Bears. Did well for the Bears. Yep. And I'm I'm the type of guy where I'd like to have a calm sideline. I don't want players yelling at each other. But I, it's gotten to the point where I would get sexual satisfaction out of seeing somebody get into his face and start yelling at him. Yeah. Get, a, get an erection. Yeah, tell him. <laughs> if you're on the Bears, seriously, aren't you like, man, this fucking guy, the only reason he's got a spot is because he was drafted high. He does not deserve to be on this team. You can't lie to the other players. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to know that he's like the teacher's pet kind of deal. Like, or like, you know, like, ah, it's George Bush getting into Yale because of his dad kind of thing. You know, it's nepotism. Yep. I think Laz nailed the nickname Playlist Jones. <laughs> he's so bad. He's so bad. Like, he's gotten so many more opportunities than other players would have. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's not he's not 29, as Robbie says, but he is, I think, 26 or 27 now. So that's the other thing. You know, if he's going through these mental yips, you know, about when the – Is it catch, mental or he just can't catch? I think that's well, what he's shown. He can't catch the ball. At, well, at, in the college level, he really didn't have that. There was There's no tape of him looking this bad. It's like he's gotten to the NFL on the big stage. He just can't do it. I don't know. I mean, every college player can't play professionally, though, you know? That is very true. And that is true for 99% of the college football players. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think we can call it mental anymore. I would just say he just can't do it. Yeah. That's that's what it looks like to me. I'm you know, I, I usually try to give the guy a benefit of the doubt and I have I feel like I have two, three, four, five times on him. It's time for uh you know bench him. You you, you need him on the you know, you don't wanna totally lose him because if there's more injuries to the team, he knows the playbook, he can come in, in an emergency and do some things. You know, somebody off the street, unless they've they're familiar with this offense and, and some of the terminology. It would be hard to get a guy like that up to speed. It would really reduce the playbook. But how can but, you say you have this hits system which holds people accountable when you clearly don't hold everyone accountable? Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. I think this I think some of the players probably realize, well, you know, he should be gone, but you know, who the hell is gonna replace him, you know? EQ, I think, is like, did you say that EQ was on that list of guys? Yeah, that I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw it today when I woke up this evening the, with the Bears tweet of what Bears communication. Mm -hmm. I think he practiced today too, uh, as along with Khalil Herbert. So, and, and Blackwell, I think they're all back this week. Awesome. I like uh, J2K's suggestion, Phelous Jones. <laughs> Phelous yeah, Jones. Uh, he's, he's really bad. And real quickly, too, before we go to the mashup, the the penalty that they called on um, uh, Jalen Jones was just awful, just yes. awful. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a that one I said on Valus with the face mask I thought was bad. I, you know, it just seems like I said before the game that that guy is one of those officials that every time he's against us, I'm not saying he has a conspiracy. The Bears are always skewed like ten to one on penalties when that Ron guy, what whatever his name was. That official, he always seems to fucking relish throwing flags on us, man. He sure fucking does. Uh, I wonder what the crew, who the crew is this Thursday. I'll, I'll look at that during the mashup. Uh, um, all right, uh, let's go to the media mashup. It is a little too long. Uh, it's about 26 minutes or so forth. And then immediately after that, we'll uh, talk a bit and bring in uh, Johnny Santucci with his Bears State of Affairs, which he will be performing live. And he says this fire tonight. <laughs> That's right. He says it's fire. He's nodding his head now. And so he's taking over the chat room stuff. I've got my computer here. I'll be uh, chatting under my name. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is the latest November 7th version of Media Mashup. You know, big picture. Yeah, it's a loss. It's a it's a loss on the road where the rookie quarterback made a lot of bad throws. And sure, he made some good ones, but too many bad ones. And all you can say is it was just an incredible performance by the entire team just standing there fighting. And, you know, all this, all this stuff about culture and all that stuff. 
It's it, hey folks, it's starting to work. That was a Saint team that was that was desperate, desperate to win this game, and they won, but it wasn't pretty. And they had the ball on our side of the fifty for what thirty plays in the in the fourth quarter, yep. and they didn't score one point, not one point. We stopped them twice after two interceptions, and you know I'm not trying to put a silver lining on it. We lost, but. Somehow, some way, you can see there are some kind of uh, fiber of, of, of good things starting to happen. And even though the offense, we started out the game, you know, as my dear friend here to the left, the great OB said, hey, throw the ball. You're two and six. Who cares? Throw it down the field. They did. They went down. They scored. Komet with the great catch. Somehow, some way, they kind of got off track in the third quarter. Went dormant, started throwing the you know the speed screens and all that nonsense, and got away from what had gotten us into the game. But sooner or later, it's going to come back and bite you if you turn that ball over, and that's what happened five times. It's way too daggum many. Well, Danny, you know I don't think it's a mystery. Who call? Who calls it off? The coaches, folks. For us to win this game. We have to I, – I, I've never seen a team in, in critical plays, we go horizontal. So to, to give us somebody a heads up to somebody on this coaching staff, the goalposts are vertical. There's a thing at the end of it called an end zone. And at the end of the end zone, post, it's, it's vertical. Vertical, not horizontal. Eddie Jackson. Around 11 minutes and 33 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Kamara made a 12-yard run in the red zone. And I don't know if any of you people are listening now, if you saw that effort put on by Eddie Jackson. If Eddie Jackson sees the field one more time, as a defensive player in a bear uniform, I'm going to regurgitate. Folks, you should see the effort. I hope the people on TV and whatever have you, I hope they show that play and show the effort of Eddie Jackson in the fourth quarter when we still had a chance to get in and win this football game. That's disgusting. Uh, you know, we're just discussing this game and discussing the future and it's hard to get away from five uh, turnovers. It's hard to, you know, really debate any other reason you lose a game. In fact, I, I think it was um, it was astounding. It was as close as it was, given the fact that they were uh, turning the ball over like crazy. And apparently, and I didn't real, realize this until later, that uh, that the um, the New Orleans Saints had the ball in they ran 22 plays in the fourth quarter in Bears territory that's unbelievable it is unbelievable and and that it's a credit to the Bears defense right that they held up uh, obviously the Saints missed a field goal also uh, i think the Bears defense got off the field on a fourth and one which wasn't uh i don't know the greatest effort i ever saw by a quarterback on a quarterback sneak but uh the Chicago Bears defense does stand up i mean they continue, guys, against the run to do an amazing job. If anybody really uh, enjoys this kind of stuff, just watch Andrew Billings during a, during, a, during a Bears game. The guy is having one hell of a year. He's having a, he's dominating in the middle of lines. You know, he reminds me of 
uh, a guy I used to go against, Pat Williams up there in Minnesota. Of course, I didn't like him very much when I played against him, but it's probably because he was just so damn good. And Billings reminds me of that kind of guy in the middle of the Bears defense. But those turnovers just really hurt the Bears, obviously, on the road. Uh, Molly, as you pointed out many a times, uh, the Bears hadn't won there since 1855. So, Owen, there's a lot we don't know about Justin Fields and his thumb injury, but what we do or what we've seen of him throwing at practice and uh, you know the situation at quarterback. What's reasonable to expect this week? What do you expect this week to hear about uh, the Bears in the quarterback position? I, I, I really, truly expect to see Justin Fields back on the field Thursday night, right? I mean, uh, he threw on, I think it was Friday, he came out and threw the ball. Uh, you know, I know he said he was wearing a glove on his hand, and, and it was the first time he threw the ball, and it felt, well, it felt like forever. Uh, but, you know, the Chicago Bears – I'm sure want to see Justin Fields back out there, uh, see what, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting conversation, right, David? Because it's like everyone keeps talking about, like, we don't know what we have at quarterback. We know exactly what we have right now at quarterback. It's just do we know if you put him in just a college-style offense? By that, I mean college-style concepts, right? Uh, have a quarterback run the ball, quarterback runs, zone reads. We saw some of that, uh, those concepts last night from Bajan. We know the Bears have it in their offense, but uh, Coach Getze does like to go back to his empty formation, spread the field, stagnant formations, not a lot of motions, not a lot of moving around by the receivers, just the quarterback reading what he has and trying to beat the defense with his arm from the pocket is what Coach Getze likes to do. He even did it to Bajan uh, yesterday in the fourth quarter when he probably shouldn't have, right? It was just too much for a young quarterback to try to beat that defense in empty. Uh, that defense looked like they went to a little bit more of a must-rush keep Beijing in the pocket, uh, drop eight, seven or eight guys in coverage and make him beat you with his arm. And it didn't happen. And teams do that also to Justin Fields. And Coach Getze has to come up with a little better plan, I think, in the fourth quarter. But that goes to the bigger point, David, when I say those things. That means your quarterback is limited. <clears throat> that means your quarterback is not going to beat teams. We watched a few games last night, right? We watched the Chiefs and the Dolphins, and we watched the Bengals and the Bills. And that's what it looks like, right? That's what it looks like when you're trying to get a quarterback who is a multiplier. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just a strange game yesterday, a very weird game. And uh, I don't I don't know any team that can win with a, a negative five turnover uh, difference, Olin. You, you, have you ever been on a team that won in, in such a fashion? It just, I just don't know that you can win in the NFL – if you're making that many mistakes and it, it is extraordinary that they were within a touchdown. I, uh, I've been on teams that won because of that fashion, right? right we, we did right. a lot of that with peanut Tillman. And obviously we had a great uh, punt returner, kick returner and Devin Hester and won a lot of, even back in 2001, uh, when uh, Greg Blotch had a great defense here, I think they mm -hmm. gave up under 12 points a game, very good defense. Same way we would win the game, run the ball, uh, get get takeaways, and then the defense would hold them to low points. So I've been on teams like that that take the ball away. Dan Pompey told me and you in the pregame show, uh, Molly, that this is what this Saints defense was really, really good at. I'm sure Dan Pompey knew that. I'm sure Coach Eberflus was preaching that to his team, that we can't have takeaways here. And sure enough, uh, it rears its head, whether it be uh, DJ Moore's fumble or the interceptions. Uh, it just was not – he just knew that if the Bears did that, they weren't going to go to New Orleans and beat this team on the road. That work in our business, something that work in scouting, that can't, like, 
read all you have to do is read some of the actual scouting reports on Tyson Bajan. All the things that have been in him have been proven. Smart guy, picks things up quickly, will work hard. There are some questions about his arm strength. You don't say. That is the fourth turnover today by Tyson Bajan. He's, he's got eight turnovers? Eight turnovers like, in three and a half games. You can't play someone who does that. That's that's not adequate. It's very far from adequate, let alone it should it be reminding you of Brett Favre. I mean, <laughs> I thought I was being hyperbolic when I was was calling him Tyson Montana as a bit. Yes, but sometimes, Dan, you, you can't. You got to be careful. You got to be careful with that type of stuff because some people don't get hyperbole. There's just there's, there's like and and then my question to you would be: Have you ever seen Brett Favre? Yeah, I covered Brett Favre. Brett Favre has a stronger arm now than Tyson Bajan does. The better comp for Favre is Justin Fields, the yes. guy who runs around and and throws the ball and and makes plays off schedule. Yes, better comp physically that's, too. That's what I mean. Yeah, big and strong and fast and and as a cannon. The other part of it is a lot of other parts. There are one of the other parts is this doesn't have to be Bajant versus Fields. It's not. But for some reason, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I just can't figure out why we're doing it that way. There's no part of you, even if you're a really big Tyson Bajant fan, that thinks that next year the right course of action for the Bears is to have Tyson Bajant be their quarterback. No team thinks that. And and if you're out on Justin Not Fields... Not just the Bears. No team thinks that. If you're out on Justin Fields... Fine. I understand that. And you're probably right about being out on Justin Fields. But they're committed financially and with what they decided to do in the draft to finding out. So, yes, the last full game that you saw Justin Fields play... He threw four touchdowns. Think about that. Where no, no one saw that. It was like the White Sox winning the World Series. The, the he last threw eight touchdowns in two games. That is correct. Studs. In less than a week. That is correct. Did we all just forget that that happened? Yes. Because yes, because a bad half against the Vikings. All right, nope, can't do this anymore. Look, he had a bad half against the Vikings, and he probably got himself hurt with some of his deficiencies. And all of those things are fair to point out. If you don't understand why people are are trying to explain to you why Bajant doesn't fit, it's 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 simple. Because he's bad. It's not that. Well, he's it had he have any sort of legitimate arm strength, he would have been drafted. You can't tell me all of these great things about Tyson Bajant and then tell me, oh well. Then why was he an undrafted free agent? Because he can't throw hard. He can't <laughs> throw the ball no, I, down the field. Dan, where look, it has to be at look, the velocity it has to go. I, I want to I also we I also think we should be fair to Tyson Bajan. Tyson Bajan throws the ball with touch. And I think that that he does that really well. For for a rookie dude to to be able to throw the ball with touch. The problem is, is that not all NFL throws can be made with touch. 
And if you're behind in your read, th this is the, the dumb stuff that was going on inside my mentions. I said, well, he was late on those throws. Correct. If he's late on the read, the way you can make up for that is with arm strength. And he doesn't have it to the level that you would need for him to, to turn a franchise over to him. If what you want is for Tyson Bajan to have a career in the NFL, congratulations. He's made it. He's going to work. He's got a, what, a three-year deal with the Bears? I don't know if his bosses are going to still be here next year. He's going to work. There is enough on tape that he's going to be in, in somebody's camp, whether it's the Bears or someone else's. And quite honestly, I would love if I were running a team, I would love to have Tyson Bajan in my camp. And you have him in the quarter in the back of the quarterback. A hundred percent. And in in and I want him pushing whoever my number two is. Great. Perfect. That's what I want. Perfect. And congratulations to him for for accomplishing that. It's a huge deal. It but is. Enough. It, it's it, it's but, enough. But Dan, that's that's what Yeah, I think Tyson's doing some some really good things. Uh, I really like his kind of feel for the game. When things aren't perfect, when he's got to throw a little bit off of platform, he's got a nice feel and throws a really good ball and, and finds some completions that aren't necessarily there in structure. Uh, the one thing that I would say is I want to continue to see him get better at, at pacing his plays, meaning tying his drops to the routes. Um, you know, and it, again, it's a problem I see all across the league is that so often quarterbacks, they're either A, too quick with their drop. So they get set too quickly and then they don't allow a, a play to play out and they're, they're getting to our check down or they're moving on to their next read when, when plays are, are going to develop and be there that they can throw or the opposite is that they're not on time. So they're taking too long of a drop. So by the time they need to be set and throwing the ball, they're not ready yet. So now they're trying to play catch up and they're missing opportunities that way. And so that's one of the biggest things that I see with Tyson is I want to see him continue to develop that feel on what is my drop on this particular play? What is the timing for something to be open against the different looks that I might get? And always making sure that I'm on time and I'm ready a tick before I have to be ready, but I allow things to play out so that so the plays can work for you. You know, sometimes we'll look and go, oh man, he had to throw it to his check down there, but a play's coming. We just haven't waited long enough for that to happen. And the pressure's maybe even tighter to us because our drop wasn't as deep as it needed to be. And, and so it becomes an art to be able to, to tie your feet uh, and your mind to every single concept and the depth of the concept and what we're trying to do so you don't miss some of those opportunities that are sitting out there waiting for you. So, Kurt, it's an interesting spot here with eight games left. We'll see if Justin Fields is healthy for Thursday night. It, I don't know if either of them are going to be the opening day quarterback for the Bears next year. We, we don't know. We'll see what they have in terms of the draft. But if, if you were a, a general manager or a head coach and you had the opportunity to learn more by playing Justin Fields with everything he brings and having started 31 games or Tyson Bagent and what he brings and having started three games – how would you use the next eight games of playing time this season? <laughs> that's a great question. And that's a question that I can't really answer because I'm not around it enough. Um, you know, I'll continue to say that if you believe that one of those guys 
can be a franchise guy with what you've seen. Or, you know, let, let's look at Justin first. And, and let's, Justin's had more time, been there longer. If you believe that Justin can be your franchise guy and you just need more seasoning and more time with him, then I think you have to go back to him, um, you know, with, with what you've seen at moments from him. Uh, but just the fact that, yeah, hey, you drafted him, and if he can be a franchise guy, you go back to him. What if they don't if believe? Not, what, what if they don't well, believe? That's yeah. what, it's what we wonder in this town. We don't know. Right. And, and if I don't think it's it's him based on what I've seen, and, you know, he hasn't turned the corner as fast as we wanted to, um, then I think I go the other route and say, well, let's just – we got to see what we have in Tyson. And and I don't know if, Frank, if he's a franchise quarterback or, you know, if we believe he can be the starter or if we've seen enough that says, well – We've seen enough to say that if he can advance, he can be a starting quarterback for us. Um, then I think you go that route because the bottom line is what you want to do by the end of the year is you want to know what your situation is going into next year. We want to know if we have a franchise guy. We want to know if we have a starting quarterback. We want to know if we have to go out and and, and make another move to, to draft somebody really high because we don't have that guy in the building. And so that to me is is the question that the organization has to ask with one or both of these guys is that's what we got to determine by the end of the year. Do we need that next guy? Do we need to draft a guy or do we have the guy in the building? And I can't tell you right now where they're leaning because I, I don't get to see these guys every day. I don't get to have those conversations. You know, you see the offense kind of runs a little differently with both quarterbacks. What do we want to be offensively? How do we think we're built offensively? And is it built to allow one of these guys to have more success and, and us to have more success? Those are all the questions, but it, it's so hard again to ask when all you watch is what happens on a Sunday afternoon, um, you know, on film, you need to see more and you need to understand what's going on on a day-to-day. Uh, I'll tell you what, the defense uh, kept them in that game. Um, if the, I think the only thing the defense didn't do is take the ball away. And had the defense have taken the ball away, I think we actually would have had a chance to win that game. Lance, uh, when you take a look at that defense, Cap and I were talking about it. Like, you know, you're holding the Saints to seven points here and there. Um, what did you like most about what they did defensively across the board? I think uh, effort-wise, they flew to the ball. I like the way they got to, And you know what? Montez Sweat. He might not have he might not have gotten a sack, but he affected the pass the uh, the throws. Just him getting you know, the one on one and pushing back uh, uh, Andrews Pete and getting to the quarterback, making the quarterback throw the ball on time. That was important. That was key for our defense. If the quarterback throws it on time, our defense can be opportunistic. As you looked at what Bajent did in the first half, impressed or is it overrated? How would you grade him? Prior to the fourth quarter, I should say. He certainly uh, made some good decisions, you know, and, and he can manage the game. He has proved I've, I've liked Badgett. I have liked what he's been able to do. But, again, I, I think that we put way too much pressure on the kid, you know what I mean, expecting him to be the, the, the next coming of the great quarterback, you know, for Chicago. It was too much, you know, uh, uh, from the outside in. And just let the kid go out and play football. He's young. There are things that he hasn't seen at the at the professional level, and there were some things and there were some things that uh, the Saints defense did to trick him a little bit and to get him to hold that ball a little bit longer and allow their defensive back to converge on some of those throws. You know, so uh, again, it's a it's a learning process, and he'll get there. He'll get there. I'm happy with what's what I see from him. A lot of the mistakes that I see from him are 
young rookie mistakes, and he'll continue to get better. The adjustment from being on the outside to being the middle linebacker for Jack Sanborn, what was that adjustment like for him? He was all over the place, and honestly, we didn't miss a beat with uh, Tremaine Edmonds being out. The last two weeks, I've said Jack, Jack Sanborn, enough said, because the guy is all over the place. And I, I, if he hasn't solidified himself as a, a, a key starter for this defense, I don't know who has. Lance, as you look at the Montez Sweat acquisition, and some of the analytics postgame were pretty flattering to him. He did have a pressure, played, I think, 41 snaps. Do you Now that he's signed, do you like yes. him as a player, and do you like the deal? I absolutely like him as a player. I love the deal. Uh, we, uh, we've, we sent a second-round pick on, a uh, to me, a, a, an elite pass rusher. Um, you look at him, the best comparison that we can give for uh, for Montez Sweat yes. is and Alex, and Brown. Alex Brown. You know, we, you know, we look at Alex Brown, a guy who, guy who doesn't show up as well on the... Oh, look who walked in. Oh, yeah. How you doing, fellas? Wait, you were saying? You know, a guy who doesn't show up, show alarm up as well on the, yeah, on, the, uh, on, the sack, on the sack meter, but he's a guy that creates a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just things that you don't see. There's a lot of quarterback hits, a lot of quarterback pressures. And for us, defensively, we need that timing. And if we can get that timing, guys like Jalen Johnson can get bigger crunch tracks because they're going to get more interceptions. A one-score game is a minus five in turn- turnover differential is... Incredible, and it speaks to how crummy in a lot of areas the New Orleans Saints are, yeah. especially on offense. Yes. That, that's basically, and we we sang the praises of their defense a lot last week. What did I tell you about Paulson Adebo? That kid's balling, man. Oh, oh yeah, he's good. I told you that kid's balling. And Yurko said today in the office, he goes, "That kid's gonna make the Pro Bowl if anything, based on this game alone." Yeah, but he's he's had a great season. Right, he's been the better corner than Marshawn Lattimore. We documented that for you last week. We told you to watch out for Paulson Adebo. He was great. Tyson Bajan also, you know, listen, listen, I love the way the kid sees the game. Right. There are obvious physical limitations to what he can do playing the quarterback position. I, and I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be Talk mean. His arm. His arm. I mean, I, his arm. I wish I could have played a Division II sport. I'm not right. bagging on the kid. Like, that's yeah. awesome. There's a reason he played Division II football. And there is just no life, no zip, no juice whatsoever on his throws. And it's, it's tough in the NFL. And those, the windows close quick no matter what. And if you have troubles, you know, really zipping the ball into tight windows, like, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, the, fu- the funniest part I saw yesterday's game, you know, Bajan playing at Division II level and then coming up and playing in pros is when he tried to outrun a linebacker to the corner and that linebacker walked him like there was no tomorrow. I go, see, this is an NFL linebacker, not a Division II linebacker. You're not going to outrun a guy to a corner that plays linebacker in the NFL. You won't do it. If you're Most a 4'7 right? yeah. guy, you're running against 4'7 linebackers. Right, exactly. Most exactly. of the time. Then you got the rare guy that runs 4'5. Right. He's sure. a linebacker. Sure. Can fly. Brian Urlacher. He's going to catch you in half a heartbeat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lance Briggs. Lance be Briggs. He'll be on you. It's a great point, right? Eric. Like, and so there are. So he goes running around the corner, think he's going to turn that corner. No, there ain't no corner to turn. There are obvious physical limitations, you know, uh, but I love the way the kid processes. And I was thinking about something watching him. Yurko for years has talked about who's the most brilliant mind you've always told us that you've been around in terms of offense, player-wise, Yurko. You used to always talk about him in Green Bay in the quarterback room, and you just said he just, he got it. He got off. Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer. Yurko would always say, like, Ty Detmer just got it. Oh, yeah. Ty Detmer could see everything he, that he needed could, to be seen. He could see, and, and he separated both of his shoulders against Texas A&M in right. the bowl game. 
And when he came back into the pros, that arm strength just wasn't there. It was 10% less than it was when he was in college. And that was enough for him just to become an average arm strength guy. And, uh, you know, it's, it, at points in time, it would just come back to haunt him. But Yurko said it forever. But his mind was say, unbelievable. His mind was incredible. And I bet you if Yurko sat in a room for an hour with Tyson Bajan and talked NFL football, uh, talked offense, I bet you Yurko would come out of that room and goes, the kid knows. Yeah. There's no doubt that yeah. the kid can go one, two, three, and he's quick with his decision making and he knows where the ball's supposed to go. But there are very obvious then, physical limitations. Every and, time he throws the ball, you hear poof. Just because there's no. And, and this is why Justin Fields has to get back. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, he, they found a. He's like a diamond in the rough. I'll give you that. Like, he's a great. He'll, he'll be a. I bet you he'll play in this league for a long time as a very capable and serviceable backup that teams will be able to six while we're on the Bears. I, I want Justin to get another week getting the thumb better. He doesn't have to come in to be a hero. Wins are not of the pressing issue. I know Justin Fields is one of the toughest guys on that football team. I know he can play through injury. He has shown you that. Right now I need him to be as healthy as possible to show me down the stretch or to show or not show me that he's the guy. I don't want him to come back a week early. And it, this is a big week early because it's a, a matter of a difference of 10 days here with the, the Thursday game. And, and to have it be extra sore or to bang it or to fall on it or like as Thayer has mentioned on read options, you've got to be able to pull it out of the belly of a running back. There's a lot of things. This is hurt Aaron Rodgers. This is hurt um, Russell Wilson in the primes of their career. You need Justin Fields to show you if he can be the guy going forward. I don't want anything limiting his performance. So if a matter of a week can get him a little bit more healthy going forward, let's do it. Like I, and I know you said it. It goes without saying if he's healthy, play. Right. But he's not healthy. That. He told you last week that he still has pain, that he still doesn't have total grip strength. Then you don't play. So that that's my like if you were five and four and you are playing for your your playoff life and Justin Fields is signed, okay, fine. Different story. But right now, in the situation your Bears team is in and in the situation Justin is in. And if I was an advisor of Justin Fields, I would tell him the same thing. Justin, don't put bad tape on there. I don't think you're doing the team anything good. I don't think you're doing yourself anything good. I think it's best for everyone to let's, let's put on a last seven or eight games when he's as healthy or as close to being as healthy as possible. It, to me, it's a really simple concept if you can't grip the ball and rip every throw you need to rip then you can't play if you can grip the football without pain and rip every throw that you need to throw then you can play until but, then you can't do it but you know there's going to be pain the rest of the year thumb injuries don't just get magically better he's going to be playing with some sort of pain can the rest you of make the year. every throw whether it's painful or not if you can make every throw then you can play. If you can't make the throws because you can't grip the ball or it's too painful, then you don't play. It's really simple. Dan Aguirre, what really caught your ear from the media mashup? How much Dan Bernstein annoys me.
<laughs> I hate to say it. It's just like yeah. every time he speaks, it's just like he's got this false outrage. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why is tight? Why are we come on? Why are we even talking about Beijing? Because he's fucking starting. That's why. It's an issue because he's starting. I mean, you can't just say, well, because I don't think his arm's strong enough. He's never going to amount to anything. You you don't know that. Right. Right. He doesn't He says know everything that. with such certitude. Like he's got some kind of crystal ball that we don't have. Yeah. He, I mean, he thinks he's so smart. And, and that's what fucking bugs me. Because when you look at, for instance, they were talking about Brett Favre, right? Brett Favre in his rookie year had two games where he threw three interceptions and had a had a fumble in one of them. In another game, he had two interceptions. This was his first year with the Green Bay Packers, this after being on the Atlanta Falcons bench. You you compared the numbers that Tyson Bajan has versus in, in three games versus Justin Fields' three games. Bajan's numbers are favor, favorable. So I don't understand why what is this condemnation of Tyson Bajan. Now Justin Fields is the number one quarterback. I'm not arguing that. And he I'm should not be. Arguing, right. right. And I'm not arguing that he doesn't have more talent. But I'm saying that there are some things that have been impressive about Bajan. He has more rushing yards in a single game than Justin Fields. He's he's won, he's, he's won, won as many games as Justin Fields, almost as many games as Justin Fields. It, it goes on. And J2K in – the uh in the chat room said something about the velocity timed velocity that his uh Bajan's velocity on his passes was timed equal to Drew Brees and so I did some uh checking as soon as I saw that went to rlads.com a great website very dependable in terms of the information they have these were the velocity scores of some quarterbacks at the NFL combine there's Tyson Bajan. To, to his left, he threw 56 miles an hour. To his right, 53. Brock Purdy, 52 and 51. He has a stronger arm, according to the combine testing on velocity. He has a stronger arm than Brock Purdy. Justin Herbert, who is considered to have maybe the best arm in the NFL, well, at the combine, he threw 55-54. So, a little bit, a little less better than uh, Bajan on the left side, and a little more better on the right side. So this guy, I, I, you know, yes, he has had some bad throws in the NFL, but I think that just has to do with circumstances. I don't think it's a true indication of his arm strength. I think his arm strength is is better than average, especially when you look at those numbers. I do hope that Justin plays Thursday. I, I guess I heard Sylvie's argument, but. Maybe he was ready because he practiced on Friday and they were like, you know what? Just take a couple more days off and be ready for Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he could have played Sunday against New Orleans and they're like, we don't, we want to start you back at Soldier Field against uh, a team that perhaps you should beat as opposed to running for your life against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is ready, but then again, maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm just saying we, none of us really know that. I hope that Fields can play, though, personally, and play well. I don't understand where Jay Sanders is coming from. He says, you guys hype players up to fail, then you trash them. Does that mean how we treated Justin Fields because we were so optimistic about his NFL future, and then after three years we started pointing out things that he has not progressed at? 
after having played over 30 NFL starts at the quarterback position. Uh, this isn't by design. We're just trying to we, – we speak hopefully about the players who are on the Bears, whether it's the first-round draft pick that we traded for, Justin Fields, or whether it's an undrafted free agent from a Division II school. We speak as fans. We hope that they become great players. And when they don't play well, we'll point out those things that they're not doing well. So I, I don't understand where, where Jay is coming from. No, I just said I hope that Fields starts, and I want him to somehow prove that he's the guy. He's got, in theory, eight more games to do it. Maybe he doesn't start, and maybe it's only seven. But that's, I feel like, a certain sense of urgency on his behalf. Yes. Uh, that I, he needs to play. He needs to play consistent and well. And I know that's a lot of pressure on him, but, I mean, he's – set to make more money than any of us ever will in like one game than we will in our lifetime if if he right. if he succeeds here. So that comes with a certain level of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I hope that he achieves that. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know. If you're going to make me bet my mortgage, I would probably bet against him. But I'm rooting for him, though. Mm -hmm. And I'll root for Bajan when he's in there. I root for anyone in a Bears uniform unless they're a fucking ra rapist or racist or something criminal behavior, then you get the fuck off my team. Um, I'm rooting for both quarterbacks to succeed. I both I hope they both become Hall of Fame Chicago Bears quarterbacks, if that's even possible to, to dream wish, something like that. I wish that I could root against Whitehair, but if I do, that makes my quarterback less likely to, to be healthy because Whitehair is definitely my least favorite bear right now. Yeah, he's he looks washed up. and He's, you know, been, he's never been good. Yeah. He was okay early on, but, God, he has just failed over and over and over and over and over. And then being offsides on the tush-push play, I'm like, I wanted to go to New Orleans, start a fight with him, and get my ass kicked just so that I could tell him how unhappy I am with him. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah. And was he arguing the call? Did you see it close enough? Because it looked like he I don't was know. As soon as they announced it, I was on my phone bitching to I sent it to you. I was like, God damn it. I hate white hair. Like, I wasn't even looking at the TV. I was sending voice messages immediately. Oh, man. Yeah. But I, I will say this. The offensive line has started to play very well. And Tevin Jenkins is really proving himself to be a special player. He uh, he met with the media today, and Luke Getzey answered some questions about him. I spliced it all together, and here it is. Yeah, I think Tev's playing well. I think uh, uh, it reflects that in our run game. You know, where we're, we're uh, you know finding success that down that avenue, and he's uh, he's firing off the rock. He's playing physical. He's finishing as good as anybody on the field. I think all that stuff is. Uh, been really good, really, really, really positive stuff for him to, to continue to, to to build on. Yeah, I, I do feel like like I'm in the groove. I mean, uh, I'm starting to get more comfortable where I'm at, and uh, starting to play next to Darnell. So getting an understanding what he wants and what he needs, and uh, playing off each other, so it's good. What is playing next to Darnell like? What, are, what have you liked? Uh, he's very aggressive. Uh, he plays the game very good. I like the way his play style is. Uh, he's very athletic. He's smart. Uh, very communicative with me and everything. So I mean. It's uh, it's a privilege to even like play next to him. So, good. Just describe the groove that you feel like you're in right now. I feel like I'm getting my steps down right. Hand placement's good. 
uh, rolling people off the ball. I mean, like I'm just moving people A to B. I mean, there's just stuff that, that uh, how I want to play, you know, starting to like starting to show up. Is that a good feeling too when you're like driving guys back, knowing that a lot of power comes from your calf, that that's not an issue at all? Yes, yes, yeah. It does does feel good. And, you know, I'm trying to get that, I get in the back mirror as always, you know. Uh, just things I still do to keep on top of it, like calf, calf stretches, all that stuff. But uh, just being able to use that calf again, and be able to push off and use that power, it's, it's been feeling good. When Nate Davis returns from his injury, uh, Dan, do you think he should reclaim his right guard position, or would you like to see Tevin and Darnell Wright become a uh, teammates for the next ten years in the Chicago Bears? That sounds good. Uh, every person that's in the know on Nate Davis has said he's never played left guard. I he has, but very little, very little. Yeah. Well, I never watched the Titans particularly, so it's not like I knew that, uh, but. Yeah, the idea of Jenkins and Wright together does sound like a formidable duo. I still think even if they solidify them there, they have to get a, a center, a center like a, a like if it's a free agent, like a real free agent, not just Lucas Padre, like a fucking dominant center, because you almost don't want to start a rookie there, and they right. may need to get another left tackle too. But maybe you do put Nate Davis to left guard. I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I saw one play specifically. Someone retweeted it, but I actually saw it live. And I was watching a game by myself, and I laughed. I was like, God, Jenkins just threw this motherfucker over with just like a forearm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the play I'm talking about where they're running down the field, and and he just, just yeah. tore somebody up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he's he's looking great, man. And I'm sure his contract's probably up soon, though. I think he's got one more year. I think next year is the last year of his four-year contract. And, yeah, he's going to demand some money. So, you know, I I think that people, when they're critical of how Ryan Pulse has spent money, you've also got to take into account he really should sign Jalen Johnson. Hopefully they can agree on a fair figure. I got a feeling it's going to be about $18 million per season. That's a lot for Jalen but in two or three years, that won't be a lot for Jalen. And they, they've got to sign Tevin Jenkins. They've got to find, sign a, a handful of other players who really comprise the nucleus of this team. And, um, and then they've got to draft wisely. Speaking of wise, do you know that there's a guy named Johnny Santucci who is ready to join us? Did you know that? I did, but before we do, i got two other quick things for you. I just sent you a collage of naked photos of Mussolini's granddaughter. (laughs) (laughs) So if you wanted to be cheered up, uh, I'm not saying that you're uh, pro-Italian fascism, uh, (laughs) but I'm saying maybe you'd appreciate her her breast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What about Darnell Mooney? He's another guy that's up. Do we re-sign Mooney? No. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, you know, he's a good player, but I got a feeling that He's not running the right routes sometimes. He he makes these mistakes. And, and maybe a better quarterback could get more use out of him. I, I've seen enough this year to, to think to myself, what we need opposite DJ Moore now is a big wide receiver, a six foot two, six foot three guy that can run a four five, who can block downfield, who can make acrobatic catches downfield, let DJ work underneath. 
and, and have complementary receivers like Tyler Scott and so forth. We need another big wide receiver. Mooney and, and, and Moore are not a combo. They're not a combo. All Sorry. right. <laughs> All right. He is known by many of us as the Tooch. Uh, some of us have been privy to some of his pornographic work, including the movie I, <laughs> I Blew Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> is that right? Oh, anyway, there he is. Uh, look at that. He's he's like a brother to me. <laughs> the Tooch does Dallas. <laughs> the Tooch does Dallas. <laughs> Indeed he does. And let's bring him in now. Johnny Santucci, how are you, my friend? Hey, hello, boys. All doing right, well, me... doing well. A little, a little under the weather, but, you know. Why? What's going yeah, on, man? You know, every October, I don't know what it is, you know. End of October, I get this, like, cold, but, you know, the doctor, he was like, you know, it's harvest season. It could be corn pollen. You know, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. But, yeah, I mean, nights are rough. You know, it's like when you know, when you have a head cold and you're just like, you know, you got, your throat is ticklish and you're all stuffy and you're just like, <clears throat> just miserable. That's how, this cough wouldn't let me sleep. You know, it was just an hour at a time. So have you told people about that other ailment that you've told me about with your eyesight? Yeah, no, you not many. To, just a, do a you want to share people. that or should we just keep that private? No, it's fine. I just uh, have uh, some dead spots in my right eye. So it's like permanently blurry. And then, uh, you know, I, Monday I went to urgent care because, you know, I just I had the same, I was hoping to get some like, you know, Z pack or something, you know, or, or, you know, codeine cough syrup, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday I went right back because I was like, you know, I, I was working from home. I made my before my wife got home I was making some breakfast for her, some basic eggs, and one of the eggs like, you know, fell out of my slotted spoon and into the, you know, olive oil, and like one splotch came right went right in my eye of hot oil, like burned my eyes. Oh my it looked, god! It looked horrible, you know, and like I had to go, <laughs> I had to go urgent care. Same doctor. He's like, "Welcome back," you know. It's like. You know, I was like, I burnt my eye, but still, See, it had like I had like grease and oil in my eye for like it's still filmy, you know. But I mean, not that it makes much of a difference, but it was my bad eye, so I still, still yeah. at least I didn't splash my good eye. So. Well, I am so yeah. sorry you're going through these sicknesses, but uh, <laughs> at least you still got your good looks. You know, that's that's important. <laughs> it helps. All right. Uh, uh, Dan, do you have any yeah. words of wisdom for Tooch before uh, he takes it away? No, I, I fear for him. Like, I didn't know he <laughs> – no, 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 I'm not being funny. Like, I didn't know that, that you had a vision problem. That could obviously impact yeah. your ability to drive, and, and I hope all that gets worked yeah. out for my, you my somehow. My left eye does all the work. It's weird, you know. It's like it all – You sound like life. Jim McMahon. Did you have a fork poked in your eye playing Cowboys and Indians? <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know, I had LASIK surgery like 20, 22 years ago, and like – could be like, you know, something that they didn't account for when they were doing LASIK, you know, like yeah. eventually your eye might, you know, the corneas might say, you know, enough. So, yeah. Well, it's it, it, you say that and you told me that before and I immediately no. got the picture of the uh, ophthalmologist's assistant saying, wait, don't do that. He might lose his vision in about 20 years. He goes, ah, fuck it. <laughs> 3600 bucks. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was always afraid to get LASIK because you just yeah. didn't know what's going to happen 2025. If I could tell you real quickly, I know we're wanting to go to Bear State of Affairs, Sorry. but my mother got LASIK surgery 
couple years before she died. Mm-hmm. And beforehand, she had the same problems that I do. We both have a stigmatism, well, had for her astigmatism, yeah. and we couldn't see far away. Mm-hmm. But when yeah. they did the LASIK surgery, she just traded one ailment for the other. Suddenly, she couldn't see up close. Yeah. So she's like, why did I even do this? They didn't tell me I was just going to be trading one problem for the other, but she went from not being able to see far away to not being able to see up close. So there's no point in that surgery, in my opinion. Steven says all those cum shots you took to your eyes really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a temperature difference though, between hot oil and hot cum though, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's hotter? (laughs) Oh, that was good, man. (laughs) All right. Uh, This is uh, the two segment of the show that we call Bears State of Affairs. Take it away. Bears State of Affairs. This is a mid mid-season report, or halfway through the season. So Bears State of Affairs 2023 NFL season week 10. Mid-season report. What's happening? Barflies. Well, the Bears played their ninth game of the season on the road versus the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. It was a 24-17 loss. And dropped the Bears record for the season to two and seven. The Bears played pretty good in the first half, jumping out to a seven and lead. Went into the locker room at halftime, tied 14-14. to But the Bears' trend of second half collapses and no halftime adjustments continued. And the team can only muster three points in the second half. All the successful play action and rollouts that were called in the first half, well, they were missing in the second half. In his post-game press conference, Matt Eberflus was asked why the team had quarterback Tyson Bagent play more from the pocket in the second half. Coach Eberflus offered up a big helping of word salad. Quote, you know, it's, again, about the design of it. There wasn't a reason for that going inside, outside of the pocket. We were doing what we thought was going to win the football game for us. Yeah, Matt Eberflus says the word again without saying anything the first time more than anybody I know. And we're halfway through the 2023 season, and Bears fans are still wondering, 26 games into the Matt Eberflus era, just what it is that he does well. It's actually so bad that, as evidenced by the Chargers game, Coach Flus can't even throw the challenge flag on time. He's 5-21 as a head coach, the single worst record in Bears franchise history. And five of the wins have come against quarterbacks who have been benched at some point in their careers. He's faced two elite quarterbacks this season, and they beat old Flusie's team by a combined score of 71-17. to As a so-called defensive guru, Matt Eberflus is about as good as Matt Nagy is at being an offensive guru. Matt Eberflus in his first 25 games has won four fewer games than Josh McDaniels did as Raiders head coach. And in case you missed the news recently, the Raiders sent McDaniels packing midway through the season last week. When McDaniels was launched last week, Bears fans around the world probably got their hopes up a little bit that maybe the Bears might follow suit with Coach Flus. Folks, we just don't have that kind of luck. In fact, the Bears organization has never fired a coach during an NFL season. It's gotten so bad around Bears fandom 
but folks are now making the inevitable Matt Nagy comparisons. In true Bears cycle spirit, Matt Nagy went through basically the same character arc. At the beginning of Matt Nagy's tenure, we praised him for how direct he was with the press. By years two and three, it was all endless word salad. As Bears fans are starting to realize, Matt Eberflus is a below-average coordinator whom no other team considered hiring as a head coach, and his tendency to blame his players in press conferences after every game cannot be popular in the locker room. Ultimately, the hit's philosophy turned to shit. Bears fans, we once again are at the point in the Bears fan cycle where we hate the coaches and feel sorry for the players, where we start to balance whether winning games will hurt the team's draft position which in turn will delay the point where we escape from the cycle and start winning games consistently. Look, the Bears organization, and that includes ownership, management, coaches, players, and fans, is in a long and difficult funk. Everything seems hopeless and desperate, like a pitiable Eberflus kneel down at the end of an out-of-reach Chargers game. How desperate is it? Well, let me break it down for you with a little mid-season report. This is the Bears' 2023 season to this point. September 10th, ugly opening loss to the Packers. September 20th, Justin Fields' coaching comments. September 20th, Alan Williams' sudden resignation. September 22nd, Bears have $100,000 worth of equipment stolen from Soldier Field. September 29th, Chase Claypool calls out coaches. October 1st, complete collapse to the Broncos. October 6th, Claypool traded. October 29th, Bears fall to 2-6, and six, Matt Eberflus to 5-20. and 20. October 30th, Jalen Johnson seeks trade. October 31st, dead cat bounce. Bears acquire Montez Sweat from the Redskins. November 1st, David Walker fired for, quote, not meeting standards. And November 5th, Bears lose their seventh game in their first nine in the 2023 season. Well, nobody's perfect. The desperation and failure goes back further than that. You want a good offense ruined by a a terrible defense? See the Mark Tressman Bears. A great defense ruined by a bad offense? See the Matt Nagy Bears. Literally everyone sucks at the same time on any given week. I give you the Matt Eberflus Bears. Yes, Matt Eberflus is now 5-21 as the head coach of Chicago Bears and has the worst winning percentage of any coach that has ever coached the Bears. And I challenge you to show me a game where a Bears fan could say, hey, that was a really great gameplay and great coaching job by Matt Eberflus and his staff. Maybe the Patriots game last year or the Commanders game this year? Look, when all is said and done and Matt Eberflus is relieved of his duties as Bears head coach, the barroom may look back on the Eberflus era and understand that it was bad timing. An unqualified coaching staff who just could not adapt to a changing NFL while trying to pilot an airplane that is not finished being built. Bears fans may come to understand that Justin Fields is also, unfortunately, the victim of bad timing. Ryan Poles was brought in after the team had acquired what they thought was their long-lost franchise quarterback. And Ryan Poles actively contributed to the deterioration of Justin Fields by committing a teardown and rebuild of the Bears franchise during the early developmental years of the quarterback. Making a conscious decision to tear everything down to the studs and neglect the development of the Bears' best prospect in years may cost the Bears at the quarterback position. 
It may also cost the Bears in years as well. Look around the league for a moment. There aren't enough quality quarterbacks for a 32-team league where injury attrition happens every week. Don't believe me? This past Saturday, NFL teams played Jaron Hall, Taylor Heineke, Clayton Thune, Brent Rippon, Aiden O'Connell, Tommy DeVito, and Tyson Bajant at quarterback on Sunday. Yes, look around. There are zero good defensive head coaches in the NFL. They don't exist. You either have a superstar at quarterback or you have a superstar play caller, and the best teams have both. And an offensive head coach has the best path to long-term sustained success in today's NFL where the rules are geared toward the offenses. What did Bears ownership do when asked with when tasked with keeping up with the NFL? They hired a young novice at GM, a defensive coach who coaches an outdated defense, with a staff of first-time position coaches and questionable personalities that the team's HR department had to eventually prune like rotten branches from the Eberflus coaching tree. So here we are, Bears fans, loving and cheering a team that hasn't won two games in a row in years. And if you thought that it couldn't get any worse, today, former Bears linebacker Roquan Smith told NFL Network's Albert Breer that it was a bittersweet getting traded from the Bears. Smith, now with the AFC Central leading Baltimore Ravens, said, quote, but I would have stayed there. But if I would have stayed there, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to compete for a title anytime soon. Man, it just makes me so happy knowing my career is not going down the drain in the sense of where I'm not truly competing for a title. Ouch! Tell us how you really feel, though, Roquan. We're halfway through the Poles Eberflus regime, and once again, Bears fans may arrive at the conclusion that both Poles and Eberflus were bad hires well before Bears ownership does. Bears fans know or are beginning to understand that developing a franchise quarterback really does require the right people in place, both GM and coaches, or everything falls apart. That is Bears State of Affairs. Nicely done, Johnny Santucci. Nicely done. You're muted. Yeah. There yeah, I tried to. It wouldn't, like, first time you click it, it wouldn't let me unmute. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> want to hear what I have to say. But, you know, I'm like, mid-season report is a little long. But, I mean, come on. Look <laughs> look at where we are all. I mean, I, I get a lot I get a lot of flack for saying, oh, you're not a true Bears fan. But, I mean, although you and I have been, next year will be my 50th year of being a Bears fan. You know, you and I have been Bears fans for a long time, you know, and we did the whole blind faith, you know, the Bears, you know, to the point where over the past, we're in a long and, and difficult funk. And uh, uh, to just like, as Mike Monroe say, be a Bears ball washer, it's just not us. <laughs> no, not anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm 43 and I've been watching the Bears since I was six or seven. So yeah, yeah you're right there with- and yeah. and Dan has seen some of the games multiple times. So yep. Oh, for sure. He may have seen more Bears games than I have. <laughs> and I've been watching since, yeah. since 68. I think I wanted to make the focus of this kind of more. Uh, I mean, look, I, I hate this coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They cannot. They're trying to. They always, like Danny said, they try to always fit a square peg in a round hole. They make them stay to their system. They're not designing plays to the strengths of the players. That's what happened with Matt Nagy. 
It's the same mm-hmm. thing. I mean, coaches, uh, coaches that can adapt, um, they, they tend to have short lifespans in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And like I said, too, um, if you looked around at, at the NFL this weekend, there were a bunch of NFL quarterbacks you never heard of starting for NFL teams. And the realization is that there's not 32 guys that can play this position. It's the hardest position in sports to play. Uh, yeah, and, did you uh, say that Danny DeVito started this weekend? <laughs> Tom, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I've never heard of that guy. That would have, that would have been funny, though. He had, he's, he's busy doing uh, Jersey Mike's commercials, though, uh, Danny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aldo actually bought me Jersey Mike's earlier this year after the Packers game. Good stuff, right? Do love it, Jesus. yeah. I mean, it, I, I was so down. He's like, Oh, I'll, I'll know how to make him happy. Feed this fat fucker some food. <laughs> it, it <was> good. <laughs> I didn't have time to fit it in there, but um, I know uh, Ryan, po- Ryan Poles did not want to draft players like um, George Pickens and Jalen Carter, who had questionable character concerns, and they've been okay as far uh, so far in their NFL careers, but. I find it ironic that his coaching staff, two of the guys, got, have gotten uh, uh, relieved of their duties for HR concerns or personal conduct policy, violating the team's personal conduct policy. You know, so yeah, that's uh, what I was saying last night uh, with the other Dan. It's like, you know, because the argument, like, let's say in a worst case scenario that Carolina would win Thursday, none of us want to actually face that reality. But if it did happen. Like there's no way he should he shouldn't be fired on Friday under that scenario, and uh, Dan just kept saying, you know who you can't fire him because there's nobody else there, and I'm like, dude, if you were this inept at a McDonald's and they didn't have enough staff to make the biscuits in the morning, you'd still be fired. This is a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Like he's got to go mm-hmm. if they can't beat Carolina, especially coupled with the HR disasters. Yeah, right. what has he done to keep his job? Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the story broke today about the Montez sweat trade that you know, polls wanted to see how Eberflus does with like our, some some actual defensive players, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, while while I'm you know I, I'm ambivalent towards the uh, uh, trade, you know, I mean, does it increase the talent level of the Bears? Absolutely, hundred percent. You know, it wasn't a high bar, although, you know. Yeah. I mean, he makes the team better. He's great against the run, too. Now Andrew Billings and Montez Sweat, you know, uh, against the run, you're going to stop teams from running. We mm-hmm. just need to uh, get a little better pass rush, get a little better in the secondary, you know. Find a free safety who can tackle, you know, <laughs> well, you know, and, and get the offense rolling. But I just don't think the coaches that we have in place are the guys to do that, you know, especially – I mean, they haven't develop, developed any talents. I mean, look, Poles is going out getting other teams' talents. You know? Yeah, but haven't you started to see incremental improvement with the defense really since Allen Williams was fired and uh, yeah. Iberflus t- took over? The, the team is playing better defense, and the younger guys are starting to play better. It's not dramatic yeah. improvements, but, you know, you see these flashes of guys they can sure. become. Guys are getting more familiar. There have been injuries. You know, the injuries at the safety position have been unbelievable. And I got Andre Curtis talking about Eddie Jackson's injury and the possibility of him coming this back this week. And then Jaquan Brisker talking about how he and Eddie could become the best uh, safeties in the NFL. Check this no out. No injuries the same. Um, there's a day-to-day, and I would say 
that just like anything else, you just have to work through tough times, and and uh, usually you come out better and stronger for him. I mean, he's doing everything that the medical staff and all those people are asking of him, and, and that's all he can do, and he has a great attitude doing it. Yeah, we talk every day. Um, that's my guy. Um, like you said, we just have to be out there, you know, all of us, especially the whole secondary, but especially me and Eddie. Um, you know, we got to be out there. We got to be out there healthy. We got to be out there playing. Um, so now we got we get the opportunity this Thursday, and hopefully um, we be consistent throughout the year, and um, we just do what we do, and that's you know fly around, be ball hawks, um, use us as switch army nights and things like that. So you know, get us involved, and you're gonna see what's gonna happen. Uh, Jaquan's a really good player because he has a unique skill set. He can do a lot of different things. Like he's a you know he's he can pressure the quarterback. He fits runs good. He's good in his quarters and his half, and he's got juice. You know, he, he's got juice, and uh, you know we uh, um, and our team kind of feeds off of that. So you know, uh, having him work his way back in and practice and do whatever the medical people have him doing, and uh, just getting closer to playing, which is great for us. When he goes through something, you know, I, these two safeties, if they really could stay healthy and play at the top of their game, I know Eddie Jackson is not a great tackler and so forth, but there have been periods when both of them have been out there on the field, especially last year, and that they looked really damn good. And now that this pass rush is slowly starting to develop and that Montez Sweat is so, as Tooch said, so good at stopping the run, uh, this defense, you know, by – Another couple of games could be playing at a really, really high level. And if this team could score three touchdowns and not turn the ball over and not, you know, kill themselves with penalties, I really do believe that this team could get some type of a winning streak going in the second half of the season. I posted up on X today, you know, can you see the Bears going 7-1 and one the rest of the season and battling for a wild card playoff. I saw that the teams that are in the hunt, the Green Bay Packers are still in the hunt for a wild card. So why not us? All we got to do is beat them one time, beat the Lions twice. I know that's a, that's asking a hell of a lot. But again, I'm a fan. I gotta I gotta believe a little bit. Um, I don't want to sit here and, and be miserable my entire life, especially the day before surgery. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that coordinator, when if you were blind, wouldn't you think John Fox was back in the building? <laughs> yeah. with the voice I'm like, <laughs> he did sound like him yes yeah. <laughs> i don't know man maybe i'm i'm being I mean, uh really naive maybe no, you got it you're right i agree i mean if uh, again i don't want to tell anyone else how to be a fan because i hate it when they try to do that to me oh well you don't do this or that or what i mean fuck you man like i don't need your approval so i don't want to do that to anybody else but i agree with you wholeheartedly as a fan if I can't root for them to win or don't think that there's any shot of winning, then what are we doing this for? Yeah. The uh, Not with this coaching staff would be what I'd say. I, you, you, Justin Fields gives us the best chance to win, but the coaches just don't understand how to use them. I don't know what, yeah. uh, what their problem is. But, uh, you know, I mean, the second half uh, of games is where the Bears coaching staff really shows you who they are. You know, they just cannot make adjustments. They, they, they don't, uh, the other team, other teams out adjust us, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever adjustments the other teams make, it's better than whatever Eberflus and Ketsy come up with. 
And it's weird. And the Saints coach was asked, you know, what adjustments did you make? And he was like, adjustments. Ha! We don't, you guys make too much out of this halftime adjustment stuff. We get together. We give the players a rest. We give them a pep talk. And then we go back out there. And I'm like, uh, yeah, right. He's a terrible coach, too, though. <laughs> he is. Why didn't he kick the field goal? I know. <laughs> you know, on the 17-yard line, dumbass. I know. They would have iced the game right there. But they, they put, wanted to give they, the Bears a shot. They 10. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now you give the Bears a chance to win. I mean, Dennis Allen is, is, is if he, he's he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL too. He is bad. He is bad. I, I gotta uh, respond to McFact in the chat room. He, I, I guess, he took exception with me saying that Allen Williams was fired. You know, yes, t- uh, officially he it, resigned. He was allowed to resign. He's allowed to resign. Allowed think, to resign. But before before they fired him. When, when when a team doesn't send out a notice saying thank you very much, we you know uh, uh, good luck in your future endeavors. Exactly, they said nothing like that. There's something going on. We don't know what it is. I don't know. You know, we've heard all we've all heard the rumors, but that would be irresponsible he for did us to But he was go going there. through a bad time, and they were like, you know what? Let's. Allen's, That's he's probably correct. He's, he's probably not that bad of a guy, but he fucked up. He seems you like know? a great guy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know? but yeah, he did something wrong. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he was playing, uh, you know, some, on some gambling site on yeah. HR and on, on the uh, company. Or he served his penis to a female employee. Right. So hopefully, he, hopefully he will be back. Uh, McFat said, says prove it about Williams. Well, all we can say is that the team did not issue what is customary uh, when a player, uh, when an employee leaves because of health reasons or family reasons, they didn't say shit. So, I mean, here's, here's how I look at it. McFack. I didn't see it rain last night, but this morning everything was wet. So, you know what I mean? And so, circumstantial evidence tells me it rained last right. night. And there's appears to be circumstantial evidence you gotta to tell us something went wrong. You got to exactly. read between the lines sometimes. I mean, man, you know, I mean, he, yeah. they, they allowed him to resign before they fired his ass. That's, mm-hmm. that's what happens if you're out in the professional world, man. Some yeah. places who, they, you know, appreciate what you've done up to this point and said, look, we're going to let you resign before we fire mm-hmm. you. We're going to have to pay you. Because right. you fucked up, otherwise we're going to embarrass the fuck out of you with this HR. They probably mm-hmm. can't, you know, because of whatever uh, 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 privacy matters. But right. they could fire him, and he wouldn't get, any, you know, he wouldn't, he would uh, uh, get paid. Then, you know, we wanted to let him resign, or we're going to, you know, come back, come back. <laughs> I mean, trying to let him resign is to try to save face. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they liked him, so they said, dude, you have to resign. You know you do. So he resigned again so that they didn't have to say whatever the infraction was. So are you. (laughs) Everybody, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. I mean, you you know, and for the guy, Collect Baseball, who is saying, you know, uh, some of these really reprehensible allegations that have been made until there's proof i don't even want to talk about it here you know this guy has a family and for anyone to be typing that out or speaking of that is not the right thing to do he's got kids he's got a family and and we don't know that's the worst kind of speculation so uh let's what what you guys think about what roquan said man i really like rubbing some salt what 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 did he say what did he say yeah let me go back and uh 
because he I heard basically something. said he's glad he's not with the Bears anymore because uh, he'd be man. wasting his ability to win. His exact quote was pretty harsh, man. It was like uh, he said, uh, "It it was bittersweet getting traded from the Bears, mm-hmm. but if I would have stayed there, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to compete for a title anytime soon." Man, it just makes me happy knowing my career is not going down the drain in the sense of where I'm not truly competing for a title. You know, mm. it's like, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, thank you, Laquan. For all the love, Bears fans. Yeah. It's, it's not like your great leadership helped. You know, you uh, miss a game last season in uh, Europe because of some mystery that you wouldn't you wouldn't have the, the guts, the decency to talk about. Yeah, was it? Was it Musa Muhammad who said wide receivers come here to die or whatever? Right? Yeah, this right. is like almost the same thing. You know, it's another yeah. one of those feathers in the in the Bears. You know, Bears mm-hmm. can't uh, manage shit cap. You know, right? Yeah. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, what time is it? I got about 15, 20 minutes, and then uh, Tooch and, and Dan can close the show because I'm going to get some rest uh, for t- yep. tomorrow's surgery. Has there been anything on the tube that you have seen that you recommend for me to watch while I uh, recover from my surgery? Uh, mm. Tooch, have you seen anything? Well, I was watching that, <coughs> excuse me, watching Bodies, which I really enjoyed mm-hmm. on Netflix. I hear it's good things that, about it. Yeah, it's that, uh, like, mystery you know uh it takes place in four different times it kind of has the time travel element mm-hmm. and all these stories kind of like they re they're like spread apart then they reconnect everything's woven together really nice mm-hmm. good story has to do with like a bomb going off in london and uh a body who's found in four different timelines you know 1890 1941 you know when uh the luftwaffe were bombing london uh, 1890 in Whitechapel, uh, and uh, uh, 2023 modern day, and uh, 2053 in the future after the uh, bomb was set off in London, they rebuild this new kind of uh, society around a leader mm-hmm. you know, who has uh, some tie-ins to the uh, to the whole thing. So, but yeah, very well done. Gotta check it out. Very well done. Yep. Mr. Dan Aguirre, you went to the movie theaters and saw a back-to-back-to-back features, triple features. Which of those three movies you you think I should see first? Oh, definitely the Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. Four-hour movie? Can't wait to see it. Uh, it's three and a half. I Did you have to pee in the middle? No, man. I wasn't leaving that movie. Yeah, I heard that there was an intermission. Yeah, was there an intermission? Not, not at the screening I saw. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it, I don't want to give any spoilers. Uh, it's presented in a way that it's a true story. Mm-hmm. And actually, right. Scorsese comes on before the film and thanks you for coming to watch it at the theater and and watching movies the way they're supposed to be presented. And, mm-hmm. and just, I love that. Mark. Yeah, he's just like, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming out and spending money on this movie. You know, we're so appreciative and we hope that you see it the way it is meant to be seen. And mm-hmm. yeah, that it just felt good, man. It, it was a good film. I do too, McFact. Real quick, Danny Shiman had a great line on, on Sunday's Bear Football. He says, I hope HR can find some excuse to fire Luke <laughs> <Dancy>. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, I said too on Twitter, I tweeted out that like pretty soon HR is going to get through all of them. You know? <laughs> Wouldn't that I be might something? not have to do anything. Bears might not have to do anything. Oh, my God. But, oh, although although uh, you, you love dogs, right? Yes. They're yes. dogs. There's a movie called Strays out there that's really funny. Okay. Have you heard of it, Strays? 
I don't I think so. It's like a, a a road movie with dogs, and they talk. You know, you hear what they're talking and stuff. And okay. It's, uh, it's very dirty. It's like mm-hmm. fucking. It's like it's all swearing and shit and funny, like you know, jokes and stuff. If you're a dog lover, and uh, and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, Will Ferrell is the dog, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like his owner hates him. He only kept the dog to make his like ex girlfriend jealous. Like she wanted the dog. He abuses the dog. Like Will Ferrell loves him. You know, he's mm-hmm. like a total loser. He smokes bong and jerks off to porn. And you're like, the dog's like, he's playing with his favorite toy. You know, <laughs> so, there's great lines like that stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he plays this game with me where he throws the ball and I have to go and find it. You know, and he like, the, he, he always drives. It's Will Forte is the is the owner. Yeah. At, great. After Saturday Night Live. And he like drives away really fast. But the dog always finds his way back. And one time he drives, he probably drops in the middle of town and, um, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx is another dog, and he, you know, teaches him the ways of the street. Good cast, really fucking funny, man. Dan, <laughs> would you like a movie like that? No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I did see two movies that I could tell you about in in separate from the ones I saw at the theater. Uh, what are they? I uh, Jennifer Connelly, her second film ever, as you know, her first one was Once Upon a Time in America mm-hmm. with De Niro and James Woods. She was in an Italian horror film mm-hmm. called Phenomen- Phenomena mm-hmm. uh, from 1985. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It wasn't like the best film I'd ever seen. But again, it's something if you like her as an actress, it was kind of cool yeah. to see her. And then on the awesome. flip side. Yeah. Well, she's still really young then underage. But yeah. yeah. I saw her, I think everyone has seen Requiem for a Dream, where she's an addict. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I watched another film with her as an addict. Uh, the guy that was in, I, I can't think of his name, he was in The Night Before with Seth Rogen, and he was in Pain, Pain and Gain with The Rock and Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. Well, he plays uh, a devout Muslim uh, from uh, Nigeria, and Jennifer Connelly's just a street whore, who shoots up heroin and stuff and it's called shelter and they have to get through the winter in New York as being homeless together when his only crime basically is that he become a radical Muslim overseas and was killing people and doing these things because his family got killed. So he comes to America for, you know, like a new beginning because he's really religious now and he's so like embarrassed of his past and just wants a new start, but he's illegal now. He's outstayed his visa, so he's homeless. And again, she's a heroin addict. But over the course of the film, of course, you know they fuck and everything. But uh, he like motivates her to get off the smack, and you know, I mean, it's not a bad movie. But what was the name of the Inventing the Abbots, Dan? Inventing the Abbots. No, I I haven't seen it. Joaquin Phoenix, and I used to see it's excellent. Will Patton, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jennifer Connelly. Like Jennifer Connelly is like at her ripest. Like uh, for the nude scenes, Danny will be like, oh, baby. You know, she's like, I don't know, early 20s, just like, you know, before she got all thin and like, you know. Yeah, she she changed her diet. She had Ozempic face now. (laughs) What for the movie? I'm sorry, go ahead, Aldo. I was going to ask, what's the name of the movie where she is stuck overnight at a a Walmart? Career Opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. That's funny, too. I uh, I just happen to have that famous scene here, and it's on a ten minute loop. So <laughs> can we just play this for the rest of the, the show? <laughs> the year before that, oh yeah, 
the year before career opportunity, she was in a film with Dennis Hopper where he directed it called the hot spot and uh, Virginia Madsen and Don Johnson were in it and she's naked in that. And she's incredible. It's from 1990. Wow. This scene is like the guy who, who came up with this idea. Yeah. Look at he that. Should, he should get a special loss. This is my screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect loop, too. You can't tell where the edit is. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Frank, I, Frank Whaley was in there. Hi, Dan Aguirre. Hi, Bears fan Dan. <laughs> she gives a little look over there. <laughs> She's incredibly beautiful. Oh, yeah. She really is. Oh, Man, my you get God. to see a nice uh, nude scene in Inventing the Abbott standing. Go out and check that one out. Yeah, she showed her bush in that one called Shelter when she's shooting up. Really? Uh, you know, and I always like that. She showed her bush in Requiem for a Dream, too. There, mm-hmm. There's a, there's one funny scene in Stray's Aldo where, like, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx takes the Will Ferrell to mm-hmm. a dog park, you know, with all these owners. Their dogs are all, like, little clothes and hats, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he's, like, telling them uh, they're all prisoners. And look at that. Look, the, the humans, they get these bags and they collect our poop. What are they doing with the poop? You know, there's all these people picking up. It's like, wait, they're t- that, that's why they have us. They have us to take our poop. You know. <laughs> Did you see it on one of the streaming services? Uh, on my real streams. It's like, okay. uh, the, it should be out soon, though. If I'll it's not out it. already, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really funny. I think I've seen a preview for it for a while ago. Well, I'm going to head on out of here, guys. Uh, <coughs> it's uh, been a fun show. I yeah. I. I I do want to believe that the Bears are going to start to make some incremental improvement. Got to beat the Panthers. The Panthers can give us the first or second uh, pick in the draft. And then if yeah. we're picking in you know, 13, 14, yeah. 15, because we end up winning five or six, whatever games the rest of we the season, I'm fine Harrison with that. Jr. I, you know, they're, they're, we're about Keon Coleman, the the other you know six foot four acrobatic receiver. He's like George Pickens, except you know he's not quite the diva. So there's some good yeah. receivers out there. You know, you got to build the trenches. You, Tucci, you and I are old school guys. I know yeah. Marvin Harrison is is a superstar athlete, yeah. but it's we like may not those... be ready to invest in that. Yeah, it's a generational that. talent. That's why I'm looking at it. But I mean, yeah, you you may be right. I I just you know I him. Somebody, somebody. I'm, I'm looking at. We need, we don't have any blue chip players. I was like, I was like writing down here. I was like, I don't. I was like trying to name like four players who we had, or how many players we had that could start on other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, DJ Moore, Jalen Johnson. I'm trying to find like who mm-hmm. else? Maybe Nate Davis. Oh yeah, so definitely five, Nate Davis. Yeah. You know? um, uh, Brisker. Edwards, Brisker. Yeah, Edwards uh, is quietly having a good year, by the way. He really Jack, is. Jack Samberg outplayed Jermaine Edmonds. Yes, he has. Last week, man. Yes, he has. I, uh, I, I, we were doing the tailgate before the show, and uh, uh, Berlissimo was uh, saying uh, he was talking up Jack Samberg. Just watch, just watch, just watch. Where can I get the double-digit tackles uh, prop bet on mm-hmm. Samborn? You know, and all that stuff. He was right. You know what I mean? Samborn mm-hmm. really showed up. It was yeah. like, we didn't need to sign Jermaine Edmonds, but, I mean. I uh, uh, I was happy with the signing at the time, so I can't say I wasn't. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, Edmonds has suffered from missing all of the preseason because of injury, and then he, he was clearly not himself those first couple of games. And then he yep. started to get better after that interception. He, he was started to get better. training camp. He didn't play yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, I got a feeling that he'll be fine. That the thing, the trick is, we got to find more playing time for Jack Sanborn. I don't care yeah, what position. 100%. The guy's got to be out in that football field because he yeah. he's special. There's no doubt about it. And I, and I one last thing before I leave. Yeah. The, the key thing is we got to know if we got a number one quarterback. So that's Absolutely. why we need 100%. to. We got, we we got need, uh, how many yeah. game, eight games left to find out. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I, my worry is that we won't find out with this coaching staff because they're just so inept. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the, the, that's the thing. Uh, when, when you when you when you break down all of the uh, Tyson Bajan, Justin Fields stuff, and everyone's like, "Oh, the, you know, Fields don't do this," they both make mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. the coaches don't put them in position. They don't coach them up. They don't put. They don't design plays for them. They don't. They're not designing good plays. For our offense, the offensive line sometimes isn't coordinated well. You know, mm-hmm. the receivers have been in the same spots. They're, you know, they're not coaching the players to to uh, to run an offense that's an competent NFL offense. And it's hard to, to uh, evaluate either player. Justin Fields is uh, is a far superior athlete. There's no question. You know, Tyson Bajan is a nice player, though. You know, there's potential there, but not with this coaching staff. That's all I got to say. I'm, I'm, I love. I like both the quarterbacks. I'm happy we have two okay quarterbacks. The coaching staff, I'm completely out on, man. I was out on Matt Nagy year two. I'm out on Eberflus year two. I've seen enough. Well, and what happens if Paul says, Matt, I want you to come back in 2024, but you, we've got to find the right uh, offensive coordinator. Luke isn't cutting it. <laughs> Would you be okay with that? I'll ask you guys both that, and then I'll get out of here. Dan? Yeah, I I think that the bigger thing, obviously that's something that you think about Terry Shea with Lovey, and then he brings back Ron Turner in his second year. But the larger thing is, I would tell Iberflus, you have to bring in a big name defensive coordinator. You know, mm-hmm. in the event that you're fired, we have to have somebody in your place to be the takeover. We need somebody calling the plays, not you on defense. Focus on being the CEO the way you said you were going to be when you got hired. You were just going to coach everything, you know, and oversee it and let your coordinators run it. So I would tell him you have to bring in two new coordinators if you're going to keep your job. That's if he wins, you know, six or seven games. Right. I mean, I'd be happier than where I am now, although. But, I mean, Iberflus is so milk. He's milk toast. (sighs) You know, I I just, I can't stand a guy like that. I mean, you need it, like I said, in Bear State of Affairs, you need an offensive-minded coach in this NFL. You need someone who can design plays. Like I said, I, let me go back and and just read it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is it? Uh, this is there, poetry, there, guys. There, there, there's no zero. There's zero good defensive head coaches in the NFL. They don't exist. You either have a superstar quarterback at quarter at quarterback. You either have a superstar at quarterback, or you have a superstar play caller. The best mm-hmm. teams have both. And an offensive mm-hmm. head coach has the best best path to long term sustained success in the NFL today, where rules are geared towards offensive plays. It's just that's exactly just the right. way it is right now, man. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not telling people things they don't know. You know, right. do I do I love hard defense? Sure, but you get that with like by hiring a guy like Brian Flores, blitz the shit out of us when we saw him in Minnesota. You know, sure did. You know, his, but uh, his best have, game of the season. It's more important to have the offensive mind in today's mm-hmm. NFL. That's all. Boil it down. That's it. Yep. All right, fellas. Uh, you guys will continue on for another 30 minutes. Yep. I will be asleep by the time this is out. 
Uh, yeah, so get some rest. All the best of yeah. luck tomorrow, man. I'm Thank if, you. Lots of prayers before I hit the sack for you. Tomorrow. Obviously, there's more important people than myself. Uh, but if you know, hopefully all goes well. If you get a moment, you wake up. Can you just text me and say, "Hey, I'm okay." I will. Let's what take if I'm that fucking rib out the extra rib? <laughs> what if I die on the operating table? Do no, want- don't put that out there. <laughs> don't put that out there. Yeah, that's that's awful, man. I, mean, I, I know it's funny. The, the joke is funny, uh, but if it really happened, it would just be awful. Yes, it would suck. No, you uh, guys would forget do, about do me. You still have Friday. an extra rib? <laughs> yeah, no, that's gone. This, okay, this is uh, gone. I was yeah. gonna say, have have him uh, take that extra rib out, and turn it into a Jennifer Connolly. Well, I told you what's what the angioplasty, the the surgeon says we're going through your penis. And what? I'm like, what? You're For the rib? Be, yeah. <laughs> it was well, it's, it's 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 that going through the penis and then the fucking thing goes all the way down into my artery. And I'm like, what? really? You, you got to do it that way? And he goes, well, let me look and see your wrist. Eh, maybe, <laughs> I maybe I could do it through here. Maybe I could do it through it was fucking so, so I don't know. I don't know. He could show up. T- he c- I could come up out of anesthesia and they, they say, like, yeah, we went through your uh, penis, man. man. Your cock, man. <laughs> Sorry, we lost half of it. <laughs> oh, shit. That guy, doctor's got a weird bedside humor, man. Who is this fucking guy? <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Yeah, and I'll, before I'll, you I'll go, though, look, oh, I just got to – I got the, this, this one – you're uh you're stu- I love those little things that you're doing. It's like it's like the new voice of NFL films. I was listening to it today. I'm like I meant to bring it up earlier. My uh, awesome job on the uh, ah, on the little uh, on the little video, the synopsis. I and really the vo- voice those. is killer, man. It's like John, it's the new John Facenda. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm shooting for, right? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate All it, right. Foster. Everyone else in the chat room, thank you for your good wishes, Dan and uh, Tooch. I love you both. Uh, take care, guys. All right. Good luck, all man. Right. Good luck. Yeah, good luck, all. Day. All righty. Let me uh, leave this for. Uh... Oh, one more thing. If if you're still here, Aldo. He's yes. already gone. No, uh, I'm here. Uh, the other Dan has wanted me to convey how uh, embarrassed he is of pissing, whatever we called it, urine gate. <laughs> and he said he's going to get you uh, like a gift card to the best steak restaurant in Chicago. And he wants Very to nice. tell Donna that he's really sorry too. And, and, he, a, a and he did. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll be eating at, at Gibson's very soon. So thank you, Mr. Nice. Shorty. And he says he's really, really ashamed. He shouldn't be because I got a free steak dinner out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Hey, so let's hope you're eating it uh, on Thursday or Friday and chilling and, and you're okay. I, I will be. I, I bet on it. Bet on it, Tooch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> will be. All right, Danny. Oh, good. Aldo set us up nice before we uh, – I love that picture. He's very handsome. Uh, tell Mr. Shorty to, uh, if he passes through Des Moines, take a whiz on my front stoop so I can hit up the Iowa Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, Iowa he really Chocolate. is embarrassed of it, though. I mean, he, like I said, because he knew that uh, Donna was mad, so he was just like, I can't believe I did that, you know? Yeah, we got like a half hour, so maybe take some questions, but I want to get your opinion first on – uh, some of the things I said in Bear State of Affair because I value your opinion uh, greatly. And um, my my uh, long a long time I've been on the show. I've said uh, that there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, especially not with injury attrition around the league. And last week I said like guys like Tommy DeVito and Aiden O'Connell and Brett Rippon and Clayton Toon and and Jaron Hill, guys you never heard of. 
you know, took snaps on the field. Um, when you find a, a, a quarterback that has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, how important is it to have everything in place um, before, uh, just, just for his development in, in the early part of the quarterback's uh, development? I don't, I don't honestly know how to quantify that. Uh, you'd like to think to use, to use a cliche that your quarterback makes everybody else better. Yeah. And 100%. if, if the question is pertaining to field specifically, I, I think in a roundabout he, way. Yep. Yeah. He could, he could be that guy, but you just, I think that Nick's analogy with Pat Riley is so poignant. You know, he, he wins the titles of the Lakers with Showtime he doesn't come in there and say, look, guys, I've won championships. This is what wins and this is what we're doing. You know, he's able to look at the team and and change his philosophy based upon the talent. And that's what Justin that was needs. One of my favorite parts of the series, Dan, was when he did that. Was when he, you know, he took control of the coaching position for the Lakers in the final season. You know, right. That speech and everything. That 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 moment was one of my favorite parts. I found myself right rooting uh the most uh, for the team in that, that part of the series. Um, today, clickbait Lambert had a story that Bill Belichick might be interested in the Bears head coach. I don't know if you saw that story. John. I didn't, but uh, I, again, I don't know this. What's his name? Adam? Adam Lambert? Well, er- Eric it? Lambert. Adam Lambert's the guy that's singing with Queen now. <laughs> Adam, right, exactly. That's the, uh, the Queen singer. Uh, Eric clickbait Lambert from Sports Mockery. Yeah, I don't know him, so I don't want to be malicious, but it seems like his credibility is not really uh, – he's probably the source that the Bears blog always claims is his inside source at mm-hmm. Hallis Hall. Like, I don't know. It just feels like this guy is probably just making this shit up. But I, I, I don't I don't want to call him a liar. But if Belichick would come here, I mean, fuck. Yeah, would, you, would you say no to Belichick or say yes? No, 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 because the, the dude, you know – He's won his Super Bowls as a coordinator, obviously a plethora of them yeah, as head coach. Didn't Jim McMahon have an issue with him? I thought Jim McMahon hates yeah. him. Uh, he, he has been, he has cheated over the years and all of that. But I'm willing to forsake that. Harbaugh's been accused of cheating as well. I'm yeah. willing to to forsake that as well and just say, like this point, if this were like an early '70s horror film, I'm will, I'm selling my soul to the devil here for the Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, I'm going um, to help at least give me the Super Bowl. What What are the odds that more than a few coaches cheat in the NFL? Yeah, well, Belichick has done it egregiously at I mean, various points. I mean, just the points. ones we know of, Harbaugh, Belichick, and I forget who else, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, probably uh, more, than a, more than a couple. I, I can't believe that New England would fire him. I mean, it, it would at the very least well, – he would uh, resign, I think. I, 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 don't, I don't know whether to talk about firing him. They're just talking about like a mutual parting of the ways, you know, recently. I mean, if, I, I, if I'm the Patriots owner, the Kraft guy, I'm telling Bill he can coach as long as he fucking wants. I mean, he's earned that, whether we like him or yeah. not. And I don't like him, but he's earned, like, if he wants to coach until he dies, he's my coach until he dies. In New England, he's, he's earned that. Yeah, and I, think I kind of felt like Ditka earned more, earned better here. Like I don't think he should have been fired. I don't think so either, man. That's a, that's that's my problem with Bears ownership is that they never know what they have, whether it's good or shit. You know, they never right. know what they have. They, they they can't they can't make a good hire to save their lives. I mean, look at the last few hires you've made, man. 
going backwards, you've got Eberflus and Poles. You've got uh, Ryan Nagy and Tressman and Fox. Nagy, Tressman, Fox. Uh, who else was in there? Uh, Tressman, yeah. Uh, I know this is unpopular, sure. but... Tressman at, replaced fucking Lovey Smith. At the time, I truly did like the Fox uh, hiring because Tressman was so bad that I wanted a coach with a winning pedigree. And whether we like Fox or not, he did take the Giants, or not the Giants, he was D coordinator there when they went to the Super Bowl. He took Denver to the Super Bowl and he took Carolina. Was it Carolina? Yeah, Carolina to the Super Bowl when they yeah. lost to New England in 38. So he had done it before. Yep. And that was enough for me to be like, oh, he's just a complete opposite of Tressman. And that's what I want now. I want to coach that has been there before in the sense that he's not learning on the job. Yeah. He's he's either won or been close to winning before. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has been there. He had success, took a count sure. and the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Uh, former Bear, former quarterback. You know, First-round I mean, pick. Well, yeah, first-round pick. And I, like, to me, it's like it's too perfect. That, that's what worries me is that it's like it's too perfect. You know, but – if I if I if you asked me today, I would say yeah, hire him. You know, I worry that they won't. I don't know if like if he like shook his dick at Virginia back in the '89 season and they just hate him for it. I, I don't right. know. Like I could see that being like they could be holding a grudge against him because they didn't even interview him when he all these people were connecting him to the job before we hired Eberflus. Yeah, and he did. He didn't even get an interview. But maybe just maybe because. Uh, he's could be gone from Michigan regardless if he takes an NFL job. So maybe that pushes him to like uh, to accept less money. You know, that's one way you could get the Bears gig if you accept less money. At the time, Lovey, for instance, was the lowest paid coach in NFL history. Yes, for the longest time. Yeah, remember I was like disrespect and shit. You know, well after '06, they gave him a big deal and. And of course, that didn't help us in the long run because he only made the playoffs one more time uh, after 06 in 2010. But I, again, insane. I've said this so many times at this point. If you said Lovey's coming back, I fuck it, I'll take it. You know, just give me a coach that knows what he's doing. I'm not saying Lovey's, you know, great or going to win the Super Bowl, but you just feel like he's competent, though, yeah. and the players like him. And even if he, even if that was a decade and a half ago. You know, Joe Gibbs went back to Washington, you know, and for years, Bill Walsh was trying to go back to San Francisco and uh, and fuck over George Seifert. So it's Har just Harbaugh's brother coaches the number one team in the NFL. And how you know how Jim is competitive wise, yeah. knowing he lost the Super Bowl to his brother. I know it still affects him. You know, he still wants to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the obvious choice, like uh, Cliff Victoria says, yeah, obvious choice. Um, what do you say? We take some questions for the chat room. Fine with guys, me, uh, guys. Send some questions to the chat room. Listen, give me one second. I'm listening to you. I got to yeah. sit my headset down. My phone is dying. I got to get my charger. Sure. So I'm listening though. I'm just taking my headset off. Yeah, we got. I I, I had uh, a starred this question from Zach Sullivan earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. How many quarterbacks? Sorry, you see the. The, uh, <clears throat> the cold I have right now, but uh, affecting my my lungs, my voice. So how many quarterbacks around league do you consider good? I see only a handful of guys that are exceptional. I, I started that because it's, 
Uh, uh, Zach had this question before I even read Bear State Affairs, and that was all over my Bear State of Affairs. There just aren't 32 guys, man. Uh, Danny and I will go through and, and, and start naming some guys uh, uh, who we think are exceptional in the league. And uh, you got to start with, like, Patrick Mahomes, man, because he does some incredible things on the football field. Yeah, to the point of not yeah. having good quarterbacks. I mean, Carson Wentz just got another job. You <laughs> well, talk I mean, about like the most so over guys injured. Yeah, he's like the most overrated, great so so called good quarterback that I've ever seen, or right there in the top three or four. Uh, he's terrible. Uh, and then Joe Burrow. You know, you got to start with those two. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, probably the top two. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert's a pretty good ball player, and uh, um, uh, God, was, uh, who was I just about to say? It was a pretty who Josh Allen. Yeah, Allen, Allen seems the like next he, tier, right? Yeah, Allen like, who seems are, like who are the top tiers? Would you say? Yeah, Allen is a, l- close to being out of the top because he throws a lot of picks in the clutch. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. got to put him That's in there a lot though. Plays own strong arm, but yeah. Yeah, I mean he's good. I don't want to say. Jackson. Yeah, Lamar's been MVP, Lamar's, so I can't take anything away from him. In, in that. He's awful tough to defend. Yeah, so. I can't take that away from him. He's been NFL MVP. Yep. Uh, let's see if the chat has. Obviously, Justin Hurt or not Justin uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is probably in that second tier. Yeah. yeah the, but see, you and I struggled to come up with six fucking names. You know. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is good, but he, I like it like Josh Allen. He makes a lot of turnovers, you know. Aaron Aaron Rodgers, but he's you know. Well, yeah, when he's back, and I assume he's he. There was a clip of him on Monday night's game when one of the Chargers went up to him and said, "Hey, when you coming back?" He said, "In a couple of weeks." Yeah, he's like uh, uh, he's like uh, uh, miraculously healing after like you know what a month or two after surgery. It's crazy. I mean, he could he be lying. Used to be like a year. I saw, well, I saw him moving around. You know? I remember Rod Woodson tore his Achilles in week one of 1990. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa, decent quarter, gets rid of the ball fast, which is what we like, you know. Well, Rod Woodson tore his Achilles on opening day no. of nine of 1995 and was able to come back and play in Super Bowl 30. Right, and that was like unheard of at the time. <laughs> so if that was such an like, oh my god. He was able to come back in late January, and he was hurt in early September. Then, to me, there's no way Aaron's coming back until at least the playoffs. Steve, if the Jets make it, where's uh, where's Mahomes, Steve? (laughs) I haven't seen Stroud enough. Obviously, I've seen Stroud's statistics, but I've yet to watch a game of his. Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence had that great comeback in uh, the playoffs. So, I again, I I would say. Yeah, he's shown something. I haven't watched Stroud yet, but I've seen his stats are, are amazing. So, yeah, yep. So that was a, a part of uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, pretty good too. But there, I mean, we're struggling to come up with ten guys out of thirty-two. So I mean, it is a freaking uh, hard uh, position to play. It's a hard position to find guys. <laughs> Just all right. Cliff says we need a coaching staff who can design the game to player skills, which is. What I consider uh, uh, paramount, and probably uh, Jordan Severo agree, uh, Barrelissimo always talks about this, <coughs> putting our players in the position to succeed. Uh, 
how, how would you grade the Bears staff as far as putting our position players in position to succeed and uh, 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 developing our young players, Danny? Grade uh, eighth ref. You got to give them some credit for getting uh, Bajent on the field and yeah, winning 100%. a game. They yeah. deserve credit for that. But overall, yeah. I would say a D. Yeah, I would, I'm, I'm with you. Yep. I am with you on that. But D for sure. <coughs> I'm close to giving that, but I just. Yeah, but Bajent saves them from getting the F. But even, like I said, even with Bajent the other day, like, you know, you get the reprieve, you get this chance to come back. They've missed the field goal. And as soon as he does, they put him in a shotgun empty with empty pocket, you know, empty backfield, nobody in there with him. And it's just like, that never works with us. And it's just, do they ever self-scout? They say they do, but I, I, if they do, they're not, I don't know if they're any good at doing that, man. Uh, Jay Noki says, we have a number one overall pick. We trade trade back and we could still get Harrison in a left tackle. Not sure about that, but did you watch Braxton Jones play at all a little bit in this last game, Danny? Yeah, he seemed to be wended frequently. And of oh, yeah, course, he's coming back, but he, he uh, looks like he's holding up a little bit better against the bull rush. Thought he played pretty good for being out for a while. Um, what do you think? Braxton Jones is the, is the guy at left tackle for the future? It's, it's too, say, uh, too, uh, quick to say however i don't want to write him off yet either because he was able to play every snap his rookie year he's had a disastrous second year thus far with the neck injury and the inconsistencies lots of penalties but he's got a second half of the year just as like everyone else to um to rectify some of his issues and but at this point at this point i don't think he has won the spot to where you'd say oh you're not going to upgrade in the offseason but he's got a chance to potentially do so, but it's just it. I don't know. It, it does. I, if I had to bet on it, I would bet against him. But I'm rooting for him. Put it that way. All right. Uh, let's see. I've got any more questions from the chat yet? Um, let's see. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> this is a question I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, the Bears should have two really high draft picks coming up, you know, ours and Carolina's. And, of course, we beat Carolina. That's all to the better. I mean, I don't know. If we beat Carolina, is it kind of a wash? Because maybe our draft pick goes lower and theirs goes higher. I guess doesn't it doesn't matter. Really, I guess it doesn't matter. If we lose or they win, we lose. No, win. no, I think it matters. Like, you want to win and make their pick the highest. Because okay. on paper, we're going to win more games, it would seem. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I, I want them to keep losing. It bothers me that Eddie Pinheiro's their kicker. He could have that Bears revenge game. Yeah. You know, like Robbie right. Gold Eddie, did. The Eddie Pinheiro revenge game. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that to happen. Like that. Yeah, I swear, if they, I don't give a shit. If anyone said their argument is who else are you going to hire? If he loses to Carolina, he's got to go. Yeah. He has to go. He's proven he's completely inept and unable to win games. If he loses to Carolina, he must be fired. I don't give a fuck if you have to bring in Mike Singletary to coach the rest of the year. Yeah. You've got to get rid of him if he loses to Carolina. Panthers are so bad. I mean, uh, Panthers, Cardinals, those are the two worst uh, uh, questions. Before I get to McFax's question here in a second, there are a couple quarterbacks who are predicted to go like top one, two. And let's say that the Bears want to pick one of those guys, whether it's Caleb Williams, 
Drake May. I mean, to me, Caleb Williams got a great arm. To me, he's a little short. Uh, I mean, uh, Drake May is uh, uh, can run around, make plays. He's got a, a strong arm. Also, he's kind of more like a Justin Herbert type. If if the Bears were to take a quarterback and say trade out Justin Fields, get out of uh, uh, paying him the big contract when he comes up. Would you, wouldn't you think it'd be best for the Bears to get rid of the coaching staff, maybe even the general manager too? And just do we do the Bears need to wipe the slate clean? I, they're going to take a quarterback. No, not on general manager. To me, if Poles was in trouble, they wouldn't have allowed him to trade for Sweat. I think okay. the fact that they allowed him to trade a second round pick says they believe in in what he's doing or what Fair he's enough. trying to do. So I think he's safe. Regardless of how bad Eberflus ends up the season being, I truly feel that Pauls is going to be here, and I'm not really I'm not really worried about that. I mean, he's only in his second year, right? He's going to get better too. He's learning. We have to wait a little bit, but he'll get better. Uh, if the Bears do take a guy like Drake May, don't they have to get rid of Eberflus and his staff and start over with the new coaching staff for the squad? I would think so. I definitely yeah. would think so. Hundred percent. All right, good. We're on agreement with that. All right, here's a question from McFact. Question, would you fire Getsy, and if so, when? Well, it depends if Eberflus was fired. I, I guess most people feel like he won't be fired during right. the regular season. Don't you have to kind of get rid of Luke Getsy if you're Matt Eberflus just to you know, sacrifice somebody to the Wolves? Probably. If he's going to keep his job, Yeah. I. Uh, it's pro- probably going to happen. Like, it's what I was saying earlier. I don't know if you right. heard. Right. Didn't you say something like that? Like, uh, in, in my uh, opinion, if I'm Luke Getzey, if I'm Luke Getzey, I I've been I'd be talking to Justin on the side. Like, what is it that you want to do? Like my system, I believe in it. Yes. But I can't have so. I'm going to be fired too. If you're running out of town, I'm go- I'm running out of town too. So maybe we put our heads together and ask him what plays he likes and what he wants to run and the hell with my ego let's let, Justin's the guy that's got to drive the car so i i'd be like dude i'm almost letting you call the plays you tell me what we what we should run what you think and let's go let's throw out the ones you don't like the ones you struggle with the ones you find that you question because the only way either guy is going to be back is if fields performs well so I would be trying to to cater to his strength the rest of the way, but I don't know if his ego will allow him to do so. All right. Uh, and Zach raises an interesting point. It's, just, it's 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 too late to move fields now. Uh, his value, there's not you know his value is at its lowest. You know, uh, unless they believe uh, some team believes that they could make him successful. What do you think Justin Fields' value is, and are you open to? Trading Justin Fields and drafting a quarterback uh, with a high pick next year. Um, it depends if you're if he comes back and plays well. I mean, a team might give like a third or fourth for him. I would think maybe it could be as low as like a fifth if they're willing to buy in on his potential and the yeah. games that he has had, mostly in 2022. Then you would be like, all right, w- we can take a flyer on him. So it's yeah. just no way to 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 dictate that. However, I was saying last night, I didn't mean Kirk Cousins specifically, but someone like him. If you're going to trade yeah. fields, maybe you do. And I don't mean Andy Dalton. 
But someone like Cousins that has had good statistics and has won a little bit, maybe you sign someone like him to bridge the gap Kirk and let the rookie having, having a pretty good year this year before you right. Well, whichever rookie you would draft, maybe you let him sit a little bit and sign a veteran to like a two-year deal and try to win and let the guy learn the way we saw uh, Mahomes do a little bit and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Steve McNair. You know, there's been a lot of good quarterbacks that set out a little bit. I mean, that's an option. I'm not necessarily saying that's what they should do, but it's something they could do if they get rid of fields. Of course, I'm hoping that he lights it up, that they, they try to cater the offense to him the way Baltimore did with Lamar. And the second half of the year, he just makes, he puts his flag down, man. Like this America discovered this place. And and this is me right here. This Chicago's my team. Eight eight games, right? To find out. Yeah. And I, Bears will start getting some offers while his value is low on fields. Well, the the trade deadlines pass. So yeah, we don't have to worry about that until the off season. So good point. Good point. Uh, Trading JF one would be stupid. Um, Well, I mean, we, you got eight games plus 17 next year if you decide to keep. So 25, 25 more games to see. see got. But I can't imagine him having uh, uh, the success that's needed for him, both the Bears to win consistently and for Fields to get a big contract with the coaching staff we have in place. That's been my my uh, uh, point the whole time, you know, is that I don't think the, I don't think this is the coaching staff for Justin Fields to find success. Um, right. Jay, Jay Noki says, I'd give Fields another year and build the team. Fine, but with different coaches. Okay, but we only have them for a year and a half, like Danny just said. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. McFat says he would have fired Getzy after the Minnesota game. Definitely fire him if we lose to Carolina. Let me get your thoughts on the Carolina game while we're here. Um, this is definitely a winnable game for the Bears. You know, I initially didn't think the Saints would be a, a winnable game for the Bears, but it was there for the taking. Dennis Allen made a stupid decision at fourth and one from uh, the Bears 17 to not put the game out of reach with uh, by going up 10 nothing with a field goal. Uh, and how bad is the, is the Saints kicker? Oh, that was horrible. Uh, he made a 53 or four he, yarder he made, or whatever. And then, he, and then he missed a chip shot, right? He missed an easier one. And then uh, they didn't trust him to make one from 17, you know, or from the 17 yard line. But the Carolina Panthers game is definitely winnable. They're not. They're not uh, uh, playing all that well right now. There's a couple guys you got to worry about, like Adam Thielen uh, and and Chuba Hubbard on the defense. Brian Burns won't be there. He's uh, injured. He's their best pass rusher. So this is a game the Bears can and have to win, really. I mean, it's another game where we're going to be like, okay, we beat up on a bad team, and then I forget who's after the – It's Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit and Minnesota back-to-back on the road. Yeah, back-to-back on the road. Those are – I mean – Look, with Minnesota, uh, they lost Kirk Cousins, so I was thinking for a minute, oh, man, we got a chance to win that second Vikings game. Then they go and they they, uh, they trade for Josh Dobbs, which was a brilliant, brilliant move. The d- uh, dude didn't know anybody on the team and still let him to a comeback win. Didn't know anybody on the team, didn't even know the playbook, came out, and, and uh, that that's coaching and, 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 and the smarts of the player, man. Uh, we just never have that. you know. I, I wouldn't have said before the season that, uh, before this season that I, I thought Minnesota coaches were, you know, great coaches or, or even uh, better, you know, better coaches than normal. But uh, Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores have done a fantastic job up there. 
I mean, uh, Minnesota has a chance to uh, uh, get a wild card, even with Josh Dobbs, I think. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on Carolina this weekend? Definitely a winnable game? Well, of course. I mean, most of the games we've lost have been winnable. Yeah. They were in the Tampa game. Uh, they were in Green Bay at least early in the early in the game. Kansas City, they had no shot, but no shot. Uh, Denver, they had a, no shot. Denver, they had a shot. So th- there could have been at least four wins between Denver, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay, yeah. and arguably that Minnesota game too. So maybe there could have been five more wins. I know there was a uh, uh, so we're we're two and seven now. I'd say we won. We won the uh, uh, Denver game like we should have. We'd be three and six, right? Three and six, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, if we had a chance to steal that Tampa Bay game, what, what do you think was the next most winnable game? That Denver game is so the one. The Den- I counted that. So three and okay. six after Denver was Tampa Bay, or maybe uh, uh, maybe uh, the, uh, maybe New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans, yeah, so uh, yeah. Because I think that they played a really good game. Tampa, they sucked the the majority of the game. Yeah, but we had a chance left, at the end. yeah, Tampa left them in it, but like they played well enough to beat New Orleans, though, in spite of those penalties. And again, some of them were bullshit. In spite of those turnovers, it still felt like they had a like they played well enough to win that game. So let's say we we we, we somehow steal the victory in, in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, it's uh, and then maybe maybe we stole one in New Orleans. We'd have been what five and four. Or four, whether whether we're four and five, five four, it really doesn't matter. But we, then you're you're in a better position to maybe uh, uh, get one of those last wild card spots. And the Montez Sweat trade makes a lot more sense then. You know, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't like the trade. I'm just saying it was, and the deal isn't even that terrible. You know, it's 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 market rate. You know, and uh, it's just. The draft pick goes along with it. and I, I, I'm more of a guy that likes building through the draft. You know, the draft picks, especially high draft picks, are precious. Maybe they felt that Sweat was better than anyone that was going to be available in the second round. Right. And, and obviously they did, but it also cost you near $100 million to uh, to say that, you know, to do that. But Well, I mean, as Bear fans, we complain that they don't take action enough. And I mean... They were, they made Absolutely. a bold move. They made a bold move and yep. let's hope that, you know, it pays off this time. Yeah. You could critique either side. It's fine. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to each one. I mean, I'm glad that they got a, a deal done because if it would have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, him walking in the off season after, after a, a second round pick, I mean, polls had to, he had to make the deal work. So I, I knew a deal was going to get done. I just, uh, uh, didn't, and I'm glad it wasn't like overly expensive. You no, know, we still have fifty-five million next uh, under the cap to make uh, to build a little better roster next season. But I tell you, man, I in the next eight games we're going to find out whether or not the Bears need to draft a quarterback. That might be the most important thing we find out all season, Danny. I can't disagree with you. All right, any predictions for the score tomorrow before you go out and start saving some lives? I. We'll use reverse psychology and say at Aldo's place, he asked me to predict a winner. And I said, Oak or Las Vegas, 23 bears, 13 and the oh, bears won. Oh, bears. Yeah. Nice. So, but it, it was sort of with a wink and a nod. The whole point right. was to say that if I say the Raiders are going to win, then they won't. So maybe I'll say Carolina 20, Chicago 17, wink, 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 wink. Right. 
and maybe it's Santos with a big kick to win it. Or maybe we blow them out. Who knows? But I'm going to say Carolina wins just because somehow I'm a, I'm thinking maybe that helps the Bears win. We got you. So it's actually a Bears victory. I got you. Uh, I, I think the Bears should. I mean, I, I don't think the Panthers can put up that much uh, against the Bears. I could be wrong. I think the Bears defense has played a little bit better uh, against the run. You know, stop, you know, and uh, force Bryce Young to pass here. I'm going to say Bears 24, Panthers 16. And how about the concept of perhaps a revenge game for somebody on our team? How about a DJ Moore? Yeah, DJ Moore revenge game, right? Yeah, where he catches like three touchdowns and, you know, it's like, you shouldn't have traded me, you fucks, you know? Yeah, yeah, this is the DJ Moore revenge game. Yeah. Yeah, why can't we have that? Why is it always the other, uh, the opponent that gets that with us? I can't think of a better way to end the show, my man. The Good. DJ Moore revenge game. Any uh, last words, shout outs, anything before we get out of here? Hopefully not an Eddie Pinheiro revenge game. <laughs> Do I have a uh, – Aldo never leaves me with uh, the uh, the clothes for the show. Hmm. It's not in here. Okay. Like I said, I only have that little clothes at the end. But is there any uh, uh, Dan's sex life real quick? No, huh? No, I got a girlfriend now. So, I mean, I don't want to embarrass her. And I think that's awesome. Are you doing, like, the whole dinner dates? And I know you're doing the movies and stuff. Do you guys, like, go out to eat once in a while? Try yeah, of course. Of course. And she's a really good cook, too. So Excellent. Yeah, my wife. That's why I'm so fucking fat. <laughs> all right, Danny. <clears throat> I love you, buddy. Let's get a Bears victory. Bear down. All, best wishes to Aldo. Don't forget to uh, check out Buffone 55 tomorrow night. And then, uh, uh, you know, got lots of new Willis Towers. That's a new show. Mike, uh, Mike North uh, probably has a pressing, maybe. It'll probably be Friday after the Bears game. And then uh, uh, before and after the Bears game, Thursday, or halftime and after the Bears game, we got uh, uh, the post uh, mid-game and post-game shows with Danny and John and Coach T. Friday night, Willis Towers. Friday night, weekend sports betting tips. Uh, Saturday, a bar down hockey talk. Sunday, at the Barfly tailgate and fantasy football goon. And that is it. Dan Aguirre, have a good one. Go save some lives. All right, man. Hope you feel better. All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right. Take care.